Podcast. This is Chris Shelton, uh, newly graduated and certified a master's graduate from the University of Salford. I get to announce that as it is brand spanking fresh news that just happened this week. I am officially graduated from that program. I know we have all been waited with bated breath on that. So I'm very, very happy to be completed with that. And I am now Chris Shelton, MSc. Yay, I have a title that actually means something in the real world. I'm a real boy now, so <laughs> as you can see. Uh, also, a first for this uh, location that I am now in, in our new home and my new studio, I am doing a live interview with Katherine Olson. And Katherine is uh, somebody who... I uh, used to be a Sea Org member, used to be a Scientologist, and uh, we are going to do her story. We're going to do one of those kind of interviews this week, and uh, but we're going to do it here in studio because she is local here in Denver, and uh, it's always fun to kind of do it live. I don't yeah. get to do this anywhere near enough, <laughs> and uh, I wish I had the more opportunities to invite people into my studio space to do this. So you guys get this as a, as a little treat this week. Uh, so, Catherine, I want you to tell us just to kind of kick this thing off and yeah. stuff. You kind of, uh, we're going to go through your story from beginning to end, I suppose. Um, but let's start by telling everybody that you kind of just sort of took off in an unauthorized fashion. You didn't yeah, do what I did and <laughs> yeah. jump through I, all the hoops. I, I, I disappeared without a trace, no. Right. <laughs> I really did too. Like I was there in the morning and I was gone that afternoon. Right. Exactly. So where and when was it that you took off from? So that was last year, 2021. And I was in Columbus. And that's also part of the story of why a Sea Org member was in Columbus. No, I wasn't a network. I was in Columbus with a lot of other Sea Org members and... Yeah, well, for that. Yes, you we're know, definitely going <laughs> to the whole story build up to that. Yeah, because yeah, it's actually quite interesting um, how a whole gaggle of uh, a murder of Sea Org members <laughs> uh, flew into right? Columbus yeah. uh, and all, all, all basically arrived within the same week or so. Yeah, a whole yeah. bunch of people. Yeah. So, uh, so we'll cover that. But let's go ahead and go back to the beginning. Yeah. And so. Um, you know, who, where, how did you get involved in Scientology in your life? So I was living in Silverton, Oregon, actually. Mm -hmm. And this was 1992. And my sister had just gone to Portland to um, start going to college up in Portland. And she happened to um, got, get um, someone grabbed her off the street and got her into the, into the Oregon, Portland. Mm. <clears throat> and she took, she took a personality test. And then she bought Dianetics and she's like, wow, this is cool. And she showed it to my mom. My mom's like, wow, this is cool. And then my mom reads Science of Survival and is like, oh my God. And decides that she's going to um, leave the guy that she was with for many years. Not my not my dad. Your stepdad or... Yeah, well, they were never married. Step-boyfriend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no relation. Right. He was actually a total psycho, so it was a good move on oh, her part. Okay. So, so she decided she was going to leave him within like a day and... Um, packed everything up in the car and grabbed me out of school and we moved up to Portland. Wow. And we got some help from the staff there. And of course, they're all very nice. And we stayed with some staff. And um, then we, we both joined staff. 
right away. And um, I was in I was in HCO, which is whatever if you want to explain that or not. Or well, yeah, Hubbard Communications Office, basically <laughs> yeah. hiring, firing, and yeah. and justice stuff. Yeah, so I was there. I was on reception. I did different different jobs in HCO for like two years, and then there were for two years. Yeah, I was there from 1992 to 94. Okay, and yeah. when you arrived in Portland, and your mom had dumped this guy, and you yeah. uh, you were thumbs up on that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, you, yeah you thought yeah, he was nuts. Totally, totally. He was a so, complete psycho. So this was a feather in the cap for Scientology and for Dianetics yeah. because it had had this positive influence. Yeah. What kind of, what were your thoughts about it? Like, how were you, did you read Dianetics or what was I your... I actually didn't read Dianetics until about 15 years later. Right, <laughs> me too. <laughs> I, yeah. I didn't read it. I tried yeah. to read it one time and I was, I was very confused. I was like, I don't understand this. Because my first introduction was through Scientology, which is, and then, which is you learn about all this stuff in Scientology and you learn how you're at cause and you're doing this and that. And then you read Dianetics and it's like, it's all your reactive mind. And I'm like, whatever. Yeah. Okay. I don't, whatever. I didn't right. Really, Get your story straight. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And also <laughs> before we joined staff and we were just, we were just going on course before we joined staff and moved up there and everything. I was very, I was personally very skeptical about it. I was like, I don't know if I like this mom. I kind of want to, I'm kind of, because I was interested in, in studying psychology and my mom was like, nah, nah, no, no, don't get into that. And wasn't, she wasn't pushing that at all. She didn't want me to do that. So, mm. so she was like, no, I want you to try this. So I'm like, okay. So then I took a course and I liked it, so, but I, I liked the people more than I liked the what I was doing. Right. And I was not that interested in it. And then I saw the art book and I was very interested in that because I'm mm. an artist. So that kind of got me going. So right. yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Um, and so that was your first two years there getting kind of acclimated and, yeah. and being a staff member. Yeah. And this was, were you now Portland back in 92, 94 time period had a day and a foundation, which mm -hmm. is your evening and weekend schedule yeah. shift. And then there was a celebrity center in Portland that's back right. then too. Yeah, that's right. Which one were you at? I was at, um, Portland foundation. Okay. So you were doing a night's weekends mm -hmm. kind of schedule. And then were you working during the day or? No, I wasn't working and I actually decided I was going to drop out of school, which was a very stupid move. I don't like, I was two years away from, or three years away from graduating. I was like a sophomore. It was in my sophomore year. Got it. So for whatever reason, I decided. And I they was were all cool with out. that. Yeah. I I don't, we somehow got the agreement that I was going to leave school and they're like, okay, and let me go. And I, I, don't, I, wow. to this day, I'm like, I, why did I do that? That was really dumb. I didn't get a GED or anything, which was really huh. smart. Okay. So um, they weren't, they, they weren't encouraging you to do that, but they didn't stop no, you from doing that. No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This yeah, is exactly. your, your thing. Exactly. Exactly. And your mom was like, sure. My mom was like, okay, <laughs> fine. Whatever you want to do type thing. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. I got it. <laughs> so basically just nobody was getting you in your yeah. way. Yeah. So, um, okay. So you carried on there for two years, you yeah. said. And backtrack just a little bit. When yeah. we first started, um, my mom was trying to get some, some money to do, um, to do the Purif and she was trying to get it from her parents. And uh, her dad was like, "What is this?" And he went to his priest because they're Catholic, right? He went to his priest and got a bunch of a bunch of black PR 
i.e. The, the truth yeah from the from the <laughs> get this from the cult awareness network oh yeah back yeah. Now, now this was back before scientology which is now owned by scientology it. exactly yeah, i remember when that happened i remember yep. when i heard about that i was like oh yep. wow okay well it was a, it was actually not too long after that yeah. um so yeah the cult awareness network guys if you don't know if you look that up online you're going to a website now that is owned by the church of scientology they literally bought it out uh because they didn't like priests and ministers and family members contacting the cult awareness network and finding out the real deal with Scientology. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So your grandfather, uh, is like, what? Yeah. So okay. we had to do a whole, you know, handling on that. Okay. That was when I was first introduced to the wonderful technology of, <laughs> you know, potential trouble source. And I read this, I'm like, mom, they're saying we're trouble. I'm like, what is this? I'm not trouble. Exactly. Exactly. But that SP grandfather of yours. Yeah. yeah right. Exactly, exactly. Did that end up handling? Did he chill or did that? Yeah, they, they, they actually chilled out. Okay. They chilled out for a, a very long time. So right. it now, didn't really come up. It came up a little bit again here and there, but not anything serious. Okay. So in coming back <laughs> up again, then it wasn't the case that the handling was he was actually cool with Scientology. He just shut up about it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Is exactly. Because I found right. out, of course, the last year when I talked to my grandmother in quite some length, because I went up to Minnesota and saw family for like a month after I came out and I got a chance to like really talk to her. And she was like, yeah, I, I, I knew it was all bullshit, basically. And I knew it was, I knew you weren't happy and I just didn't, she just didn't say anything. Yeah. Well, because so, you disconnect. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a fascinating thing, and we hit on uh, early on after I got out was the whole, you know, the irony, really the tragic irony of the fact that all the Scientologists think their family and friends are all cool because they're not nattering or complaining to them yeah. about it anymore, when in fact they're all just waiting for the person to come to their senses, yeah. you yeah, know. Exactly. But everything's they don't handled. They want to upset them or whatever. They don't want to go there. That's so right. But they is. actually are all in a PTS situation. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's true. <laughs> right. It's totally true. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a it's a it's a tragic irony, yeah. you know. Yeah, right. Um, okay, so so what happened after two years? Okay, so there was of course with any or if with any class five org, there's you know, Sea Org come and go projects, um, you get phone calls, all you talk to people, you start like, you know, getting to know people. You know, I got to know people from Bridge, I used to call all the time and people from the CLO that used to call. And, and I was like, wow, I really like these people. And it was like this cool thing. Cause there's, you know, these people calling from LA from management and, you know, it was like, it was very cool. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> and, um, my, my experience was a little different oh, as a really? staff member. Really? Yeah. Well, they, we were, you know, Santa Barbara where I worked at that time. Yeah. Um, uh, was a small podunk place like Portland, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, Portland was totally. And, yeah. The, the DSA was like in tears every every month because of trying to handle the landlord on the rent. And right. Yeah. Really a lot of bailouts, yeah, et cetera. It was, it yeah. was really bad. Like, exactly. I don't, I don't know that it's, I mean, they have like a brand new beautiful building now and everything, but I don't know that they're doing that much better. They are not. No, the yeah. place is actually really super empty yeah. these days. But um, uh, I was actually in Portland a few months ago. Oh, wow. I dropped by the Oregon. I didn't go in. But I, yeah. I, uh, I gave them a little salute from outside. <laughs> but it was really sad to see the same faces that I had seen when I was a Sea Org member going on projects and missions to Portland, which I did frequently. Yeah. And, um, and just seeing the same people yeah, the same just people slugging it out, you yeah. know. But um, 
but no, my experience with management was they would call and they had these very tense, terse, you know, sometimes angry voices, get yeah. me the ED. And sometimes oh, yeah. it was, get me the ED oh, yeah. now, <laughs> right. right? And, you know, when things were stressful yeah. or, or money was tight or stats weren't going well. And management, I came to learn when I became management, wasn't even supposed to be calling oh, yeah, into no. the org. No, they totally weren't. Right? And the, the COCLO... Like the the, the yeah. head she was, of management. Yeah. She right? was calling every day for the ED. Exactly. Every day. So exactly. yeah, I knew I knew her. <laughs> exactly. Me too. Well, when I arrived into the uh, when I arrived in management in 1995, she would would sit at her desk permanently. She had two screens: one with statistics and one with the telexes she yeah. was typing the orders that she was sending to the orgs yeah. and she, her head was almost permanently cocked in an angle because she sat with a phone cradled here yeah. all day long, yeah. rotating through the orgs, calling them all yeah. and screaming bloody murder at that the was, EDs. That was Karen Havas, right? That was actually Vicky Chance Vicky, when oh, I that arrived. Was Vicky that was Vicky, yeah, that yeah. was much later. Karen Havas was, was the one then. Yeah. yeah. She ended up in Las Vegas. Karen she ended up in Las Vegas? Yeah, she ended up running Las Vegas for a while, and then she ended up out. Oh, I didn't know. Well, no, I think I, she went no, back to she FB. Was, she, yeah, she was in FB for a while. That's she's right. Now, That's right. She had, like, a major medical issue a few years ago, and she I haven't seen yep. her at all. That's right. I think she maybe even, even had a stroke or something. Oh, I didn't know it about was that something, part. Yeah, it was something very, very major. Like, she wasn't even wow. in any of the birthing buildings or anything. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well. Anyway. So you were impressed by these people. Yeah, I was. I was. I was impressed. Yeah. And when they when there was CIRG members that came on project, I was always like talking to them and interested in what they were doing and everything. Yeah. And actually, there was two, there was two recruitment projects that came that didn't get me, but I was. They were like sort of trying to recruit me, but they didn't really try hard enough. Yep. And then actually, um, um. Real LaPlane. Do you remember Real LaPlane? Oh, yeah. yes. He came with the COCLO on a recruitment project. And the way they used to do it back then, which I guess they still do this sort of, which is they have like a recruit, like they hold an event for the org, like to recruit for the org. And then out of that, they would like recruit for the org as well. Yep. So I, did, I ended up talking to him and he was just like, well, so I want you to sign your contract. I was like, okay. So that was... My recruit cycle went. I was like, "All right, okay." And so you, and now, by signing that contract, we're referring here to the Sea Org billion year yeah. contract of commitment. Yeah, yeah. Which I had seen before and I was familiar with, but I hadn't like put my name on it yet. And he was just like, "Okay, I want you to sign." I was like, "All, all right. right." Just because people talk about this all the time, and it's a point of interest for the general public, right? What were your views? Like, what were your beliefs at that point? signing that piece of paper did you really believe excuse me you were committing to a billion years I did, or did you think this I, was a lifelong thing or yeah what? it's kind of hard to explain i wasn't like it wasn't fully like I hadn't fully accepted like the whole billion year thing mm -hmm. so i didn't really i think i didn't really think that much about that part of it but i was like okay well this is a lifelong thing and i like these people and i like the subject and Okay. Here we go. And it was, it's funny because it was, it was mostly the people. It's mostly the people that I like because the people mm -hmm. are very inviting. They're very nice. They're very like, they, they include everybody, you know, they're very easy to talk to. 
And, you know, me being a little like introvert through high school and my school years and everything, I was like, wow, I really like these people. Yeah. So that was really what, what got me. Got it. Yeah. I remember Sea Org members coming around to Santa Barbara and they were always more business-like and sort of like on a mission, sort of efficient, sort of, this is what we're going to do now. Right. And I, I liked that because I thought it embodied a more productive, you know, sort of spirit of let's actually get this job done. Let's actually work. Let's, let's, let's do this because in Santa Barbara, it's Slack central. Right. And, and the staff were working, but they weren't like running and, you know, sweating or any of that. And it was a constant struggle for income. And, and of course I was a supervisor. So I was in the classroom a lot, but it was, it just didn't feel like everybody was really on the same page doing the work. And, you kept hearing and reading that, you know, on policy orgs, boom. Yeah. And we're not booming. Yeah, exactly. So you start feeling, at least for me, I started feeling a little bit of a contempt for my fellow staff members, even though they were my friends, really almost yeah. my family in so many ways. But I kind of, yeah, I wish these guys would work harder. I wish they'd get more on purpose, get yeah, more like on the I ball. Start, I started seeing, you know, you know, noticing that like CF was a mess in the basement. And I'm just like, why don't we use these files and contact some people? And nobody ever used CF. Exactly. It was just, it was a total disaster. That's right. Exactly. Why aren't we, you know, and I didn't want to go do it, but you know, how come we're not getting more people out in the street, you know, yeah. pulling people in and, yeah. and all those things you hear about or read about. And we weren't doing those things, right? Yeah. So so I agreed. I, I could see how, you know, for me as a staff member, you know, the Sea Org epitomized a higher level of dedication. Yeah, and, yeah exactly. You know, and, yeah. and I, I and I tried multiple times too to to get uh to get arrived in the Sea yeah. Org. You know, I was oh, on yeah, it took me a little while. Yeah. And yeah. what how I finally got arrived is is they, they used to do this is when they were still doing the thing of if you got pregnant while you were in the Sea Org, they would send you out to a class five org. Right. With your kid. Right. With your spouse and your kid. They, they, Unless we, you got an abortion, then that was the other option. That's right. We used to call them baby boomers. Yeah, baby boomers. <laughs> that's right. So so Real was in senior HCO. He was over that whole thing and yep. decided where people were going. So he just took a couple and just sent them to, to replace me. And that's how I finally got arrived. Because I was like, I was trying to recruit somebody for months and months. I couldn't recruit anybody. Right. I couldn't get me too. I need to join. Exactly. And I tried really hard and it just didn't go anywhere. And I was like, right. no, I'm never going to go. Yeah. I was, I was too technically trained. Oh yeah. Cause I was, oh, you were a supervisor, key to life right? soup, yeah. um, purify C yeah. was running the HTC. I got to be the tech sec. And so yeah. try it, it. They, when they finally got me out, it was, um, um, guy came and, um, uh, I'm Kurt, Kurt Hahn. Oh, Kurt Hahn. Got, oh, he wow. was the tech aid. Wow. And uh, or the training and services aid. Yeah, that was the last time. I yeah, heard. Kurt was always a good guy, yeah. but he um, he wanted me to be the tech aid for West US. He didn't yeah. have one, and I was highly trained and all that. So he came and arranged three people to oh wow take over and finally get me out because nobody else would ever do that. Yeah. Nobody else had really had the authority oh, yeah. to do that. Yeah, no. You know, because you got to do this whole replacement thing. Yeah, and, and, it's, and, and there's and politics involved yeah. and all that. Anyway, so, but please continue. So you, so you, so you, you admired these people. You thought they had their shit together. Yeah. And then you finally got to be one of them. Yeah. Then I, then what, I joined. What, and in I 94? Went, yeah. 94. That was uh, April 94. Okay. Yeah. Wow. One year and one month before me. Ah. 
<laughs> wow. Yeah. That's funny. That is. So, yeah. So I went and I just went straight to, I went to LA. Um, I did my EPF and Ral was like, you have to be done in 10 days. Or he, he was going on project and he happened to get a message to me. He's like, you have to be done in 10 days. I'm like, okay. So then I finished, I somehow finished my EPF in 10 days. So, um, pretty fast. Then, it usually, yeah, it usually yeah, it takes was, a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sometimes I months. It, I think I did it in total. I think I did it in total. Like it was probably a little over two weeks. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And then um, I went straight to work with him in the HGB in senior HCO. Okay. So now, so this was the EPF over at. Yeah, it was, that was at PAC. Oh, so it was at PAC. Yeah, yeah it was at PAC. At the okay. Time. So this It went blue. back and forth over the years. Like they had one at the, at the HGB for a little while. Yeah. For a few years and then decided that wasn't really working and moved it back to PAC and it sort of fluctuated. Okay. All right. So and you did it in PAC. PAC. So what was your impression Arriving now, 1994, the PAC base was not the ruthless model of efficiency it is now. <laughs> uh, things were a little slacker back then in some yeah. significant fashions. But yeah. what was your impression of the place? I, you know, um, I mean, I was impressed by it. I was, I was, you know, it was like all these Scientologists together in one place. All these Yerg members. I'd never been to LA. I was just like. I was, I was pretty, I was kind of electrified by the whole experience right? <laughs> because right. it was, it was something totally new, big city, you know, I'm like 17 away from my mom, whatever. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah. it's only 17 yeah. years old right yeah, at this point. So, yeah. so this is more akin to the starry eyed, you know, wanna be actress arriving right? in Hollywood. And, oh, <laughs> yeah. look at all how yeah. great it is. Actually, somebody took me for, before I, I went on the PF, somebody, somebody took me for a walk when I first arrived, like that day took me for a walk down Hollywood and I was like, this place is weird. It is. It <laughs> like, is. This is very weird. Okay. I guess this is Hollywood. All yep. right. Yep. <laughs> good times. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, good. So you finish your EPF and then you end up. So the pack base for those of you, just to clarify here, pack base is the big blue buildings. Everybody's seen pictures of those buildings, big Scientology sign. That's where I worked for 17 years, but you did your EPF there. And mm -hmm. then in Los Angeles, in Hollywood, about two miles down the road, there's a 13-story building. That's 13 stories. You know, which is called the Hollywood Guarantee Building or the HGB. This was purchased in the early 90s and renovated and is owned by Scientology. And it's their, basically their international management building where, um, you know, international management um, the Office of Special Affairs International. I actually did other renovations. Offices. I did renovations on OSA. Oh, nice. Because they were renovating OSA at the time I was in the EPF. I just remember that. Nice. And so I was I was there in the building a little bit doing. Okay, doing, doing some of that work. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So so that building is its own kind of organization or a bunch yeah. of organizations in that building. They have their own mess and their own you know galley and they make the food and all that. So that's kind of its own entity. Yeah. And it is a senior position to the PAC base. The PAC base is sort of the Pacific Area Service Orgs. It's it's for delivering Scientology. The HGB, where you ended up working, is about managing Scientology. Yeah. You, no public go do services at the HGB. That's it's an administrative facility. Yeah. So what did you do so there? Then I was yeah. in. Um what was called Senior HCO International, which is basically over all of the HCOs in the world, you know, have all the different 
haunt offices in the different areas and they have that unit and this was over all of those okay and um these days they don't they don't take like raw people like people just off the epf and just send them straight to management like that they don't do that anymore okay but at that time that's what i was doing and i was right. like whoa okay yeah it's getting thrown in the deep end <laughs> yeah, for sure yeah it totally yeah, because because Senior HCO International is the office that oversees basically what you could see say the function wise all the hirings right all the personnel moves and transfers and and firings and all that yeah. happens within is ultimately approved by I should say Senior HCO International. Yeah. That's also where they have the highest uh, levels of justice authority. So if somebody is getting declared suppressive, that submission, that the approval for that ultimately happens at the office of Senior HCO International, yeah. right? There's yeah. a guy who deals with that. And all of the communication systems and networks of Scientology are ultimately supposed to be kind of run or managed through senior HCO. That's right. That's right. So I oh. was, and then I was told I was the senior training and hatting officer there international. <laughs> wow. That was your first that post. That was my first post. Wow. And I thought I had it and rough then, as a continental <laughs> a decade, but you had wow, international. And then, and then on top of it, after a few months, I was, I was also double hatted, like also given the post of senior routing forms international. Oh boy. Um, because they had just come out with these computerized, computerized, right? <laughs> Routing forms, uh -huh. which I had to get printed and, uh, you know, out to every org and used in every org. And right. Now, how many orgs were you running or were you overseeing like, internationally? Because um, I had 34 in the West U.S., but internationally... Sixty or something. One hundred and sixty. Yeah. Okay. And one sixty and one seventy, depending on like Dane Foundation, and I think it was somewhere around there. Right, because that doesn't mean one hundred and sixty different physical locations, because as we mentioned, Portland and many many other orgs have double yeah, shifts. They, yeah, that's right. And each shift is considered a yeah. separate organization. So Portland, as a city, had three organizations in it: yeah. Portland Day, Portland Foundation, and and Celebrity Center Portland. So, um, so the numbers don't necessarily match up to physical locations, yeah. but just curious, how big was Scientology, right? It's about 160 oh, yeah. organizations. Yeah, exactly. It was like one. It was yeah. It was like 160. Right. Like and from your memory of that, as you learned, because you and Senior HCO would be would be your your bread and butter was the personnel oh, and yeah. the and the and the yeah. lines and all of that. So um, did you ever have an accurate figure of, you know, just how many staff there were? Staff were like, oh, I'm trying to remember. I was asked this before and I couldn't quite remember. Um, I don't actually remember how many. Fair enough. Do you remember orders of magnitude? I mean, I remember there being um, at least, it was like four thousand Seorg members. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the exact number of staff. Okay. I always sort of estimated it around the same number yeah. as the Sea Org, but that was just a kind of guesstimate yeah, on my part. Like I when I I think it's a lot less now. I, I think yeah. so too. Yeah. I, I, I actually agree. Yeah. Um because they've reduced the amount of orgs. Yeah. There's just been various things where they they open like, you know, they they'll open up a new org and 
get people from like all over the country to come to this one area. And then it just kind of, and then a lot of them just, they can't do it. They're like, I don't have a job. I had to move. I had to give up all this stuff. And they're just like, no, I can't do it. Yep. So that yeah. tends to be how it goes yeah. one place after another, yeah. after another. And that was all pre COVID. Yeah. Uh, I mean, kind of all bets are off with COVID now. I mean, things are, things are, oh, yeah, as we've been going over, things are uh, insane in yeah, Scientology. Exactly. And we're going to talk about that because she it's lived a, through some of it. Things were interesting so. right before COVID too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we're going to talk, we're going to talk about that too. Exactly. So, so then I was in senior HCO until, well, I was on that post um, for like a year or so. And then, um, Somebody, somebody decided to put me on the, on the area EPF for like a couple weeks. I don't even remember what happened. Oh no. I remember what happened. I remember what happened. What happened was we had a new, okay, get this. We had a new Dura-INR. Um, her name was Astra Merrill. Astra Woodcraft. Oh my gosh. She was the INR. That is yeah. so funny. Hi Astra. <laughs> Astra Woodcraft. She's out now, folks. Yeah. yeah. She's yeah. she's she actually like helped my mom quite a bit, I find out. But oh, anyway. Good. Um, so um she was the new Dura-INR, and she was like cracking down on things and whatever, right? Yep. And so <clears throat> so she decided that and they're kept on they're like <laughs> this like there was a certain time period where I mean, probably a lot of the time people were not sleeping a lot. So you'd have people that were late a lot to post, mm. right? And so she decided that anyone that was late would automatically go on the UPF. Oh, wow. Just for being late. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And let's clarify the area EPF is, are you talking about Cat B? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what you have in Scientology is you have an EPF where you get, it's, back, it's like boot camp. But imagine, in the military, any branch, that everybody gets in through boot camp. You get your ass kicked, you get your character broken down, you kind of learn what's what, you know, you learn how to march and stuff like that. And you learn basically how to comply with orders because yeah. <laughs> that's important in the military. You learn how to say yes, sir, to everybody. Exactly. You do the same <laughs> thing in the EPF right. when you go into the Sea Org. But imagine in the military that you screw up or are found unutilized or are some in some fashion are, are, are not doing your job according to an inspector general or an authority who comes down and goes, yeah, you ain't, you ain't cutting the slack, right? You're not cutting the mustard. We're putting you back in boot camp. Back you go because you didn't get it the first time, right? We're going to make you retread it. You're going to do it again. And that's what going yeah. back into Cat B, it's called a Category B EPF versus a Category A, which is your you know, your first run through. Yeah. Cat B is you screwed up or you were found unutilized and we're going to make you do the yeah. boot camp again. Yeah. And there was also all this in, in, in that level of management, you have all this confusion between because you have like senior hco but then you have hco for the base so is senior hco over hco for the base or right. is secure like there's there's it's just it's so so confused and it's still confused in, same in pack by the way we had the exact yeah, same yeah. questions because yeah. we had a senior hco for the continental <laughs> area yeah and we had a senior hco for the pack base yeah and they were two separate offices and then you had the HCOs on the base. 
So which one's overseeing yeah, them? Are they right? West US or are they PAC? Yeah. And how does the management of this work? And yeah, how do they and coordinate? So, and, and so who does the functions, the HCO functions for senior HCO? So sometimes it was like, oh yeah, HCO is like, is over you guys and can tell you what to do. And right. sometimes not. It was right. like, depending on... But I'm senior was, HCO. Like, How yeah, is right? the HCO right? guy? Exactly. Yeah. What is all <laughs> it this? It was really confused. It is, and this is important in Scientology only because command lines and authority mean everything. I mean, yeah. who's senior to who is kind of an important question. Yeah. You'd think you'd have this kind of stuff sorted out, but I'm telling you, questions like this would come up all the time yeah, in Scientology. It's, it's totally crazy. Yeah. And it was so what. Okay, now I, you know, I've talked at length about, you know, working conditions and what shit was like in PAC and how kind of screwed it was. What, what, I mean, day to day, what was it like at the HGB? You were there for a few years before you got busted that way. So what, what was it like? You mentioned not uh, sleeping a lot. Yeah, not sleeping a lot. I got very acquainted with staying up very late or not, or not sleeping at all. And I'm forced, at first I was like, oh, this is cool. We're doing something super important. You know, yeah. and I felt kind of like, oh. And then, well, over the years, I didn't like that, like that anymore. Right. But, but at first, I was like, "Oh, this is so cool." Um, but yeah, there was a there was a lot of contention between people. There was a lot of yelling, screaming, which actually got better. Um, towards the end of when I was there, it actually got a little bit better. Mm, that's good. Towards the end, meaning a few years ago. Not, not, okay. not meaning not towards the end of being in CHC. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was like that. Uh, yeah. It was just a bit of a madhouse. Yeah. It was, it was a madhouse and it was, yeah. it was a lot of yelling for no apparent reason, but. Yeah. It was whatever. a, it was a pretty daily occurrence. Yeah. In, uh, yeah. In and the, everything Salo. was an emergency and everything was like now, now, now. And everything was a flap, you know, everything See? was like, yeah, exactly. So then, okay, so then I was on that post. So I, senior training hiring officer slash senior routing forms, I see. Um, and then, you know, I st got stuck on the REPF for like a few weeks. And then Rayal was like, oh, this is stupid. And he just took me off. Like I didn't graduate or anything. He's just like, you're done. Yep. <laughs> Get back in uniform. Yep. So then I was, so then I was doing that. And then, um, and then I got sent, let's see, what was I doing? Oh, I actually got sent on a project for Incom for about a year. I was recruiting programmers. Um, really? Mm -hmm. Oh, that must have been kind of interesting. Yeah, and this was right after this was after the whole Incom bust, <laughs> right? And this is a funny story because I was I was there. I actually knocked on the door of Incom the day that that happened. Really? Yeah, because I was in PAC. Okay. And I was doing some project or something. I was still in senior show. I was doing some project. I was doing something in PAC and I was printing. Um, I was, this is when you used to have to call income to get your printer reset. Remember that? You remember <laughs> every time you're, you're like, or the server, the Ycat the servers. Printer? Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> so I was, so my printer was just all messed up and I was calling, calling, calling. Nobody was answering. And I was like, I have to get this done. So then I walked over to income. I knocked on the door and Everything was dark. I was like looking inside, and you know, reception's all dark, and and I saw a couple of people in the in the like in the back by a door, and I was like, "What is going on?" I like stood at the door, and then somebody came to the door. Alec Wheelis was on that project, and he came to the door, and he's like in you know same missionary uniform or whatever, and I was like, 
Um, I'm just trying to get my printer reset. He's like, yeah, not a good time. <laughs> yeah, like for the next few months, yeah, yeah, it wasn't a good time. Everybody disappeared. And That's I right. didn't know that income story up until this past year. I finally yep. found out what exactly happened. I was like, yep. I'll have to yeah. I'll, I, I'll, I'll have to see if I can look up a link to it so I can put it in the description yeah. of the show here because it's a bit of an involved story. Yeah, it's, it's but in, in brief, INCOM is the International Network of Computer Organized Management, right? That's the acronym. And it's a subunit within Scientology that is in charge of international computerization of Scientology. So the websites, the internal programs, the stat management, the, the routing forms, the an analysis of all this information what's called the data files, which is just a huge indexing system of documents. Uh, all of that was designed and run and managed by INCOM. And so INCOM's kind of the, the, the computer hub of Scientology. It's a high level, just under RTC organization. And it's very hush-hush and very few people work there. Yeah, and very like few maybe people- Maybe five staff there now. Yeah, and it's, it's tiny. And it's, and it's in the HDB. Oh, is it now? Yeah, it's okay. In the HGB. It's in the basement of the HGB. Okay. And there's maybe five people that work there. Wow. Yeah. And I think they got up to about 20 or 25 at their max yeah, they, years ago. Yeah. You know? they, they had a lot of stuff. And there was a security problem that came up back in the mid-90s, yeah. which she and I both sort of observed from a distance. Yeah, but and nobody but knew nobody. what was going on. Yeah. No one knew what was going on. Everybody right. disappeared. Yep. You didn't see any any income staff for like months. And when you nope. saw them, they were always with security. That's right. And the whole <laughs> there was a wing of the second floor where they were where they lived, and there was a security guard at a desk at the head of that wing, yeah. and you could not go back there yeah. and interact or talk with those people. And he was a very serious, no nonsense looking dude. So he didn't even want to have a conversation, yeah. right? And you just did not go there. And it was one of those, it was one of the first times that I ran into coming in in 95, a whole, a total mystery. Yeah. Just a complete, no one knows what's going on and you're not to ask about it. Yeah. And it was like serious. And it was like, okay. And you just kind of accepted it. Just, oh, there's stuff I can't know yeah. about things that are really serious and that's kind of how I, I just went, oh, okay. And I just accepted it, yeah. you know, but it was a, but what had happened was a very, very huge security violation. And uh, there's a whole story to it. And like I said, I'll look that up yeah. and, and post the yeah, link to it. It's so. interesting, actually. It's, yeah, it's, fasc it's fascinating. It's a fascinating story. Yeah, you guys will eat it up. I but. was like, wow, that's what happened? Finally. Yeah, right? Finally, I know. After 25 years, I know what happened in income. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. I because I, I had forgotten about it. Yeah. Years later, right? I come out in 2013. I didn't, you know, I'd forgotten this thing back in 1995 until I found. I think it was Dan Garvin's write up. I think yeah. he was the one involved, right? And he yeah. or he was one of the ones involved. He, he'd worked there. there, so he he's out of the Sea Org, and he did a whole. You know, this is what happened. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, yeah. So. Yeah. So then I got, yeah, so I was on Project Inner Income for about a year and I was, I was, um, first I was finding programmers, just regular programmers and hiring them. And they actually got through, they got through a sec check. Wow. Like total non-Scientologist. Wow. Yeah. They, they were gotten through a, through a sec check so that they could work in income so they could be inside. I did not know that they had ever hired non-Scientology oh, yeah. programmers. Oh Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's new data to me. Yeah, wow. I hired him. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. And they had go. to get approved through RTC and do this whole thing. Um, and then they did, I think they were working on the, they were working on, working on a lot of stuff, but I think they're mainly working on the finance systems. Uh-huh. That makes so sense. they needed specific people that need no new, like specific programming stuff. Right. So I had to find them and get them hired and get them cleared with RTC. And then, <clears throat> and then towards the end of the project, they were like, okay, well, we need to get some CIRG members and we need to get some CIRG recruits now. And I had a lot of trouble with that. I, I got a few people arrived, but hardly any. Yeah. That was that it's was another, that was really it's another tough. level getting yeah, Sea Org members. Yeah. yeah, I did that for a year too. It was yeah, that was really tough. <sighs> yeah. So then at the same time that was happening, um the the I was still on project at the time under income and the whole newer management thing happened. Right. Right. right? <laughs> this is early ninety-six. Yeah. So, March. so March I remember being told yeah. the day that the that the whole command team would whatever arrived in the HTB. Remember being told by the has Incom, the who was running our project, she was like, do not go to the HB today. <laughs> Cause you'll just get because I because I remember hearing thing, yep. everybody just got like there was a whole base briefing, whatever. Everyone took their tags off. Everyone's like, okay, you're here, you're here, you're here. You're like automatically transferred. Yep. Didn't matter what you were doing, who you were, whatever. It didn't matter. Right. Like, nope, you're on this post, you're on this post, you're on this post. It was so unprecedented, <laughs> yeah. by the way. It was yeah. it was it was quite literally as though you're at the office one day, and really the analogy kind of fits. It's this insane. You're at the office one day, let's say you work as uh, an accountant, right? And you're going into the office and you're gonna go do your accountancy work, and some new CEO comes in, gets everybody together briefs them on this brand new project and program that the company wide is going to be implementing. And everybody is now basically fired from the job you hold because we figured out a better way of organizing everybody. And you, Mr. Accountant are now over in HR and the HR guy is now over in production and yeah. the, you know, the male guy yeah. is now the CEO's is, is now the CEO's secretary. I mean, everybody just gets moved around. It's just this great big huge thing called musical chairs, which is which is a, a very clear cut violation of how L. Ron Hubbard said to run his yeah. run his organizations. Yeah, right? And it was and it was done everywhere. It was done at the continental yeah. management level and the international yeah. level. So that yeah. happened while I was on projects. So then there was, so then after that, um, <clears throat> there was another project um, that went specifically into senior HCO to get, um, to get the line set up, to get people cleared to go to Int. Yep. So, so then, and they found out that I was in, I was really senior HCO staff, but I was off on project and they're like, uh, we need you back for this post, mm -hmm. specific post that they wanted me to go on. So then there was back and forth with income people because income wanted to keep me and they wanted me back. And I was like, okay, whatever. Just right. You guys sort it out. Yeah. Just tell me what you want, want me to do. And so they finally just, so then income finally decided they were going <laughs> to recall me. <laughs> whatever. I mean, I wasn't, it was so whatever. They could have just let you off. Yeah. Yeah. But they instead just, they have yeah, to do it with a yeah. little twist. Yeah. So you're not recruiting enough. So we're going to recall. I'm like, okay, fine. Whatever. Yeah. So then the project in senior HCO didn't care about that. They're like, okay, whatever. That just, we don't care. Right. We're not in trouble or anything. 
So then, okay, now you're now you're gonna be senior, um, senior senior recruitment officer and <laughs> me who's like recruiting Who like failed. maybe two senior members in my life, right? Oh my god! So <laughs> classic, classic. I was like, okay. <laughs> Where was Rial now? Rial was senior persoffent. Okay, so he went no. from senior hasn't or something. No, no, he was, or he, he was always senior. He wasn't pers- senior has. I think he was. He was something uplines for a while. And okay, he was all over the place. He's all, right. all over the place, and now he's off in Sweden writing books. Right. So yeah, he's he's out now. <laughs> I too. actually talked to him last year. It was interesting. Oh wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was good. He's like, well, I'm glad you're out. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Good for good. him. Yeah. Since All he right. recruited me in the first place, I thought he should know. He should that. know, exactly. I was like, wow, he's a writer. He's published like tons of books now. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I did yeah, not know he's that. He's a successful writer. Good for him. Yeah. I was I was like, wow. Go, I, okay, I never had around. a I never had a rough encounter with him. He wasn't an, an abusive type, at least not in my vicinity. Was no, he? he really wasn't. Yeah. He really wasn't. He actually Just, cared about people. Exactly. Yeah. You get that. He got me. a lot of shit himself. Yeah. But he was he was actually very caring. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I was senior CEO recruitment officer and interesting. And so then they were like, so then I was on that for a while and I was running, you know, programs into the orgs and doing all this stuff. And then, um, trying to remember the exact sequence, Rial got busted for something. So they put him on as, um, they put him over Seorg promo and they put me on as senior person offense. Wow. The the, the student becomes the master. <laughs> right? Yeah, I know everything about personnel now. I'm like totally anyway. Right. That was that was a little bit much. While this was all going on with these these moves and projects and this and that and the other thing, what was the environment like? Oh, it was it was very unsafe. <laughs> Play, it was, pray it tell. Was, just because what what was always happening in senior HCO was that when I was there was like it was it was always like a witch hunt. It was always like who's fucking things up, who do we need to bust next, who needs to be transferred. And when I was senior person, what I was being told full time was basically that none of my juniors were qualified and I had to replace everybody. <laughs> That's what I was being told full time. I'd replace my senior PCO. You know, I guess Real was sort of okay. There was another guy who was over the EPF who's just like not really cutting it. And there was, and then I was being told I had to replace the senior INR because he wasn't qualified. <laughs> just like, yeah, that's what was happening like full time. And now, now was this, let me ask you this. And at the I, same time running all these international programs and over recruitment and personnel and everything full time. Right, of course. So it was a busy job. <laughs> yeah, it was a busy job. Well, let me ask you this. Because the first thing that occurs to me when you describe this situation is I'm thinking to myself, had your had the people who were making these demands on you, were they at all familiar with or had they ever read any of the policies on on how to handle personnel in Scientology? Oh, I don't know. Because what they were ordering you to do, ironically. I mean, ostensibly they had. Because <laughs> it was what? it was being done by CMO all the time. Okay. That's who it was being done. CMO. Yeah. Right. I doubt they did. Yeah. Uh, bunch of CMO girls. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, little so- girls that love to run around and give people orders. Oh my God. Up to this, you know, to this day, to this day. Yeah. Little girls that love to run around and order people. Yeah. Oh, and then they grow up, God. get busted, end up in the galley, 
And then a new round of girls yeah. comes around, right? Because yeah. it's always young girls. Yeah. And it's young girls. Not a lot of guys. There's a few guys, but not most many. little little girls. That's right. Yeah. And that has to do with the qualifications because you can't have ever had, you know, any weird sex stuff or drugs or a bunch of, bunch of other stuff in order just to be qualified to do that work. But apparently you don't have to be familiar with anything L. Ron Hubbard actually said because his policies about personnel are literally... And ironically, the exact opposite of everything you were being ordered to do. Hubbard is crystal clear in his policies. And I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm just pointing out that the guy who actually ran and founded the organization, wrote all the policies, said how to do it, wrote that you put a person on a post and you hold them responsible for the post no matter what. And you train them. It's called hatting. You put the hat on. You train them and you train them and you train them and you train them. With apprenticing and with breeding and with education and with and with internships and all kinds of stuff. And you correct them and you train them and you actually treat them with value as though they're a real person who has value. And you and you incentivize them to be responsible for the job with rewards and penalties. And through that process, you are supposed to create stable people who actually hold the job and know what they're doing and can be there for years. Yeah. That never happens. I'm just pointing out that that's what the policies of Scientology actually do say. So I'm wondering, just because this always happens, <laughs> you know, were you going in the classroom and reading this policies or seeing this and then wondering oh, yeah, what yeah, the yeah. hell? Like, because yeah, it becomes I, I, crazy yeah, making. Definitely, definitely. And it was know. always like, well, we're, we're, we're putting, we need to put qualified people there so they'll get the policy in. And, right. you know, these people aren't qualified or whatever. Right. Just like, and for some reason, I was the one who had to replace these people. And right. then I was also, I was also over the uh, <clears throat> the uh, int clearance lines to get people up to int because we're still, oh. send, we're still sending people to int at that time. Right, and that means basically getting people qualified to go to international, yeah. the gold base where Miscavige was, right? And and that was at that time Miscavige was there and that was the place to be was the was the international gold base. That's the secret the super secret place in Hemet. Did you even know where it was? No. Yeah, it's, no, a, it's no, super no. secret. It was, it was confidential. And right. if you if you ever like accidentally found out where it was, you're in trouble. Yeah. Basically. Exactly. Yeah, you didn't know where it was. Exactly. And uh, I I knew when I was in the Sea Org through deduction, I knew it was within an hour and a half drive of Los Angeles, yeah, but that's I, yeah, all I knew. I, I knew that too, just because they'd have they'd have runs, they'd have yeah. people going driving there twice a day to take the mail and that's take right. people, and people go back and forth. That's right. So, yeah. so you kind of knew it was not far, <laughs> but you did not know what direction or how it was set. You didn't know any of that stuff. Yeah. So your job was to be kind of a gatekeeper. You were trying to get people through that yeah. gate. Up, up the line, and yeah. they have to go through a whole battery of testing and security checking and production record. There's an intense, pro, you know, process yeah. to that. Yeah. Were you actually doing the CSWs and stuff? I did some, yeah. So yeah. what? So could you describe just kind of briefly, like was, what what did somebody have to do to? It get, was like you had to have production record. You had to have you know a clean ethics record. Anything ethics wise. Had to be handled, you know. You got sec checked. You did conditions. You did um, different, you know, auditing steps or whatever to say that that's handled. Yeah. Um. You had to have like no prior like security breaches or anything. Um. Right. You couldn't have ever blown. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's why I couldn't go to Int because I when I was a staff member well, in Santa Barbara, I'd, yeah, you're you're disqualified. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now you've done it. Now you've done it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I couldn't go, right? Because I wanted to be at income. But oh, I really? but I had blown when I was yeah. a Santa Barbara staff member, so they were like, Yeah, sorry. Oh, sorry, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a whole thing. Mm. And it actually it, it it took quite a while to get people cleared to go yeah. up there. It was months long yeah. process as yeah. I remember. Or sometimes it was like a year that people were just hanging around. Yep. Waiting to go up. On clearance lines. Yeah, on clearance lines. That's yep. And if they weren't qualified, then chances are they'd be used to replace someone else who could possibly be qualified. And there's yep. all this all this stuff that was done like that. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> now they're now they clear people to go to S and P. Oh, and what and tell everybody what is Sci- that? Um, Scientology Media Productions it opened in 2018. Mm-hmm. That's the, where the they, TV channel. Yeah, that's the TV channel, and it's basically that that area is treated like the int base. Okay. Um. Very high clearances, have to have okay to go there, blah, 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 blah. Oh, that's interesting, of course. And is gold still treated that way? Gold is treated that way, but... N- but nobody's going nobody there. Nobody goes to gold anymore. Right. <laughs> nobody right. goes, uh, no one's there. Like, there's people in gold, but there used to be, you know, there used to be CMO gold, there used to be exec strata, WDC. Um, yeah, I did a whole video about all that. Yeah. I broke it all down. Yeah. And, and, and none these, of that's there now. None, none of that's there anymore. All wow. of those functions wow. are basically done um, at the HGB in the International Liaison Office. That's where okay. everything's done. That's where all management's done now. Right. Um, of course, every little thing is, you know, directed by RTC and, and David Miscavige, but all the management is done there. Nothing, there's no. Nothing's originating nothing. out of yeah. the gold base anymore. And the gold base was in case in case it's not clicked yet. That's where the hole was, a- yeah. and probably still is in some form. Um, but it's basically We're just basically become... everybody on the base went. <laughs> as far as I know, it's like even even our even our execs in the in the ILO and the HGB disappeared. Like the CO ILO, CO wise. Um, let's see. There was there was. Um, um, First, Rita Schwarzgruber, and then Kirstie Wilhir, CEO ILO. Um, I knew, I knew all of them. Don Cunningham, yeah. Chaz Kember. Yeah. Um, These are a major Claire players. Claire Edwards, um, Rita yeah. Weinberg, Rena Weinberg. Um, yeah. Lori Zern, who actually came back and got posted in the states. Um, wow. Yeah, all these people just dis- they 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 went up to the in base one day and they never came back. Wow. They never they, they, they never just came disappeared. back. They disappeared. I think Kirsty came back one time and that was it. And there's just well, they're working on they're on projects. They're and these but then, are but these then Claire are, was like, no, they're in the hole. Yeah, no, they're in the hole. <laughs> they're in the hole. <laughs> this I mean, these are these were people basically who were carrying Scientology on their shoulders in one fashion or another for years. Mm-hmm. These were the guys who were running from an international level, the front groups and the management units and the and and kind of keeping that structure or framework that we talk about in place. Um, and these are in the bigger picture of things, while they sound like heavy hitters and they were, they were constantly being ordered around by little girls and in yeah. CMO and by RTC, yeah. Miscavige's organization. And, and that part of... While structurally things have changed, that aspect of things has not, because that's how Miscavige runs 
things, yeah. you know, is through his intermediaries, which is RTC. So, yeah. yeah. So where do we leave off? We well, you were in. there at the um, at the senior position. Now you were oh, running yeah, the. the that's okay, right. So then. Um, and and oh, around so what what time period is this now? That was 1997. Okay. 1997 and part of 1998. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and of course I was running all these, I was, I was like running all these programs in the orgs and recruitment programs and personnel stuff in the orgs. Right. Mm -hmm. And at one point, this is really funny. At one point I read the policy letter called senior HCOs Erin continental. Mm -hmm. And it says exactly what senior HCO is supposed to do. Right. And I'm like, hello. Yep. yep. Here it is. We're not doing this. How come we're not doing this? And somebody, uh, somebody had come out, out with an eval um, that was totally against this policy, like totally in violation. I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, this eval is wrong. Yep. And we kept being told to do this eval, right? No, do the eval, do the eval. I'm like, no, this eval is wrong. And I got investigated up one side down the other, got in like so much trouble. Yep. Um, and then I think I got, I got, how did I come out of senior seal? I think. I go back on the RPF. Trying to remember. No, no, no. I didn't. I didn't. I just got. Oh, I got a, an urgent directive taking me off. Oh boy, a UD. Yeah. Yeah, UDs are kind of like the 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 president of the United States executive orders. They're like those. <laughs> That's a good comparison. Yeah, they're just you know they're whimsical. Yeah. I want this done. There's no other way to get it done. Yeah. So we're gonna issue an urgent directive. And there have been waves of these yeah. things at different levels. They decided I wasn't qualified because of my study history. Right. Yeah, because yeah. you weren't qualified because you yeah. dared to question an eval. Right. <laughs> right. Was it Miscavige's eval? I'm wondering. Um. It it could have been an anti eval. I actually don't remember. Yeah, it, it wouldn't have had to have been in order yeah. for you to get busted because yeah. it's it's not really desirous in Scientology that you ask a lot of questions, even though it's written in the policy that you can query any order and that you Especially should have. If you disagree with someone who's senior, you can't, yeah. or if you disagree with RTC there or CMO, that's right. Then you're disaffected. That's right. Even though the policy letter you're reading clearly states, yeah. you know, gather the eggs in dozens. And here's all these little girls running around telling you. And by little girls, I mean literally 12 and 13-year-olds. I'm not yeah. kidding. And they scream at you with all the authority imbued in them as though they are L. Ron Hubbard. Because that's the position they so hold. Ridiculous. It is it is it's an ego fest. Ridiculous. It's it is beyond ego fest. It's it's it really you just is. couldn't imagine how how uh, full of themselves these these girls get it just makes me laugh now it's kind of pathetic i mean it really is because they because because every single one of them the reason it's so tragic actually in retrospect is i can hate on them for their you know ego and authority and all that nonsense but i also know every single one of them there are there have been no exceptions that i'm aware of gets busted they all yeah, end up in the do. galley. A lot of them do. You know, I mean, so many. They, they, so. End up, they end up either either busted or leaving or whatever. I mean, there's still, there's there's people that have been around in SEMO that I've known for a very long time. And there's people that just go. There's a lot yeah. of people that go. They just go. Yeah. That's right. So it's always tends to have a tragic ending. It's the victims and the victimizers. And that's a, it's a rotating thing. You know, and they're usually like people who grew up in Scientology. Yeah. Second. You know, Gen. second generation, third generation Scientologists, yep. hardcore, whatever. You know. That's right. That's right. So I can <laughs> I can see all sides of it, but yeah. I just you know from my memory and yours of being run around by them, it was 
fucking annoying. (laughs) (laughs) It was fucking annoying because you knew you were in a position where you knew better and it didn't matter. And I think everybody who's worked in corporate America understands that, but then make it your whole life. Yeah. It's not just a nine to five. You don't go home at the end of the day and get to bitch and moan to your wife or your husband about it because you, you just don't have, you're not in that environment. Yeah. You're, you're in North Korea. You know, that's the Scientology difference about yeah, this. So, true. so please continue. Okay. So where did I leave off? I was so well, you were, um, you were getting busted because oh, you questioned right. me. That's out. right. That's right. So I got busted. So then I wasn't, I, I remember specifically, I wasn't taking it seriously enough that I got busted. Right. So of course I get I get dragged in and like yelled at by right. one of these little girls. She was actually around my age, but she was still she's out now. She went she went she went totally nuts. She went Wow. Nuts. Wow, that's sad. Literally. She's Ugh. long gone. Okay. Anyway, so <clears throat> so I get taken out and then I'm I'm kind of floating around doing various things. I end up um Oh, I end up working on um, over at CCHR for a little while because the CCHR renos were going on. Yes, I made the front desk. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I worked with people who made that front desk, but yeah. Yeah. So I was around there um, for a little while. Um, Nobody was sleeping. Nobody was sleeping. Oh, my God. That was ridiculous. Was it the opening for the... Yeah, it yeah. was yeah. With the and with the being, fist and the... Yeah, and yeah, it, it was the, being... Mm-hmm. Like, there was a, a construction company that would work... Um, during the day and then at night, whatever they didn't get done, we would, yep. we would try to get done. That's right. That's when the, the renovations were done in a totally crazy way. Whatever. The, lots, uh, lots, of, lots of stories about that. Yeah. <laughs> like that was, like yeah. everyone disappearing to New York for like, a, for like a week to finish the New York renovations. Or three months to San Francisco. Yeah. 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 I was left holding the fort. Oh I went nuts. Yeah. I went absolutely sure. nuts. Sure. So, okay. So you end up getting basically so then I was busted there. onto so that. Then, and... So then they're like, so then like, oh, okay. We want you to, to work in the galley. I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. I'll go work in the galley. So then, <clears throat> so then I went to work in the galley as a steward. And then I actually did really well there. I liked it. I, I, I liked it because I got left alone. Right. I literally just got left alone to work. Nobody cared. Nobody was like you know, down my throat, telling me I couldn't sleep, telling me I couldn't do this and that. And I, I could just work, you know, go to study sometimes maybe and go home and sleep. Right. And that was good. That was, that was, it was a regularity. <laughs> yeah. For a, yeah. For and no a little while. girls were running around telling you how to clean the forks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. They don't micromanage at that level. Exactly. So yeah. I ended up doing really well there and I was, I was, I was, um, I was there for a little while. And then, and then that was when Kirsty was still the COILO mm-hmm. commanding officer. And she decided she wanted to send me out to be an ILO rep. She wanted to send me out. You to went from the galley to that? Yeah. Wow. She wanted okay. to send me out to be an ILO rep. So she's like, you're going to go in briefing. I'm like, okay. So then I was in briefing <clears throat> um, to go. I was supposed to go to Canada to be the okay. ILO rep, Canada. All right. So I was in briefing for a while, doing some training, doing this and that. And then while that was happening, um, um, Buffalo happened. Ah, okay. I know the time now. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. So uh, th- what is this, 2002? This was... Three? 2000... No, this was 2000... Was it earlier? 
Oh my God, I know all about it. 
I, I heard his whole story recently. It was actually. not I was like, oh, great. oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. You little shit. Anyway. Basically. Yeah. We, we're yeah. not going there. You can Google it. Yeah. Google yeah. Daniel Montalvo. And okay. it, it is, his mother actually ended up being a really good friend of mine. Um, so I was doing that. And then um, nobody talked to me for like six months. Like nobody answered any of my daily reports. I think I went, I think I went over to the HGB for like, for like a ethics interview or something a couple of times. And that was it. And wow. Roll back. Roll right. Back, right. Um, All those enemy lines. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Spreading. <laughs> spreading, right? So then I just, I just worked there for a while. Then, and then it was like, I didn't even redo my courses or anything until, really? until the very end. I just hung out in the mill and I worked. I just did all this. I love doing signage. I'm like a total artist. Wow. So I just hung out there. Like I mean, the admittedly, time. you know, it was, you know, the one thing I will say that I feel to this day that I actually, that is a lasting thing that was, that was probably the only positive out of my RPF experience was learning the craft of how to work in a mill. Oh yeah, that was you know awesome. how to how to use all the I tools. To, I wanted to get posted there. I loved it. Yeah, I, I actually felt like I was yeah. learning a trade. Yeah, you know, and that's and that still serves me today. There were a couple. There were some but, interesting things that happened when I was there. There was just interesting people that arrived to be in the Seorg, and you're like, okay. <laughs> and there was one girl. Oh my god, there was this one thing that happened. I was telling you about. So there yeah. was this girl. She was probably like 13. Totally sweet girl. And <clears throat> they were working over at the, the Hollywood Inn on, on renovations over there. And I wasn't, I wasn't there that day. Um, but she was carrying glass. She was carrying like an armful of glass. And she tripped. And she got her wrist sliced yeah. really bad. She had to go to the ER. Total flap. Oh, my God. Um, I actually ended up hanging out with her for a couple days and like a week or something, giving her assists and chilling around and stuff. She's really sweet girl. Um, but minor, you know, doing this kind of work without gloves, without anything got really badly injured. Yep. And I don't, I think, I don't know if the EPFIC was there at the time. Actually, I don't think he was there. I think there was someone else running it, mm -hmm. but it was a total, she ended up bleeding, whatever. Right. Um, yeah, that was that was really sad. I couldn't believe that that had happened. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course it happened. I, I there were the, more the OSHA. That, like, yeah, yeah, like renovations that get done without like people just don't know what they're doing. No. They no, they do. don't. They literally here here's a sledgehammer, yeah. make it go right. Yeah. You know, start tearing tear down, down walls. Tear down the wall. No oh, gloves, yeah. no like nothing. Yeah. It's and like young people doing this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, me and my, I'll, I'll tell a quick story because I don't know that I've ever told this story publicly. I've told it privately. Um, this is an RPF story, but it, it's a, it is it is a sample. It is it is very representative of the safety standards of a Scientology renovation site. And we were up on the sixth floor of the main building in PAC. Yeah. And, you know, this is the old Cedar sinai complex. And so... You have those two angled wings off the main building, and we were up on the top floor. And these are huge windows. You know all those windows you see in that yeah. building? They're big. You could almost stand in them. They are they are very large. So they're wide open. The, the this is a wing that is being uh, demolished. Yeah. We're you know the RPF. We demolish things, and so the way you bring a hanging ceiling down is you go climb up in it, and you do what's called ceiling surfing. 
where a bunch of RPFers would get up there and start pounding on the ceiling, bah, bah, jumping up and down on it. And then the ceiling's hanging by wires yeah. from, the, from, the, from the real ceiling. It's a false ceiling. So they're jumping up and down on this and the, until it gives way. And usually it all comes straight down. Well, this one guy's holding on to one of these wires, pound, pound, pound. It gives out under him without him realizing it's going to happen. He's holding on to this wire. He swings, comes down out of the, out of the, out of the roof, holding on to this thing, swings all the way. His body goes all the way out the window. Like the wide open window, it's six stories up, and his body is all the way out of it, holding on to a wire. He had this. He had the 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 uh, whatever the, the you know calmness of mind, whatever he had. The he had the sense to keep holding on, and he swung right back in, and the crew were ah! and they grabbed oh him right. God. Like everybody's like, what the right and he yeah. swings right yeah. up swings back in they grab him he's fine no problem everybody kind of ha ha pts check and that's it and they go on with their work right he was a millisecond away from tragedy yeah right this is the kind of thing yeah, that's I, just I, I, I've, routine I like that there was one girl that i knew that was on top of some scaffolding mm -hmm. <clears throat> this wasn't on the epf this was just staff doing renovations i think it was over at the able building she was on top of some scaffolding <clears throat> and the scaffolding started to fall. And so she jumped from one scaffolding to the other. Mm -hmm. Otherwise she would have fallen. Yep. She would have fell. And I was, this is another one. I was over in the Able building one time doing renovations and the EPF were, we're in, uh, I forget what it's called. Cagney hall. We were in that. <clears throat> so it has a really high ceiling and the, and there was EPFers up in the ceiling taking out the AC. Mm -hmm. And I was standing in this one place doing some painting or something for like an hour for a while. I was painting in one specific area and I happened to go, I happened to move, like walk like 20 feet away to get something. And the entire AC unit came down where I had been standing. Wow. Yeah. There you <laughs> so go. So if I would have walked away, You'd be dead. I wouldn't be here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Par for the course. I mean, yeah. you know, accidents happen on, on construction sites, renovation sites all the time. I get that. But when you practically solicit them yeah. through lack of coordination, lack of understood rules on site, right? No OSHA standards whatsoever. And just forget about OSHA, you know, regulators or something coming out and doing something about it because Scientology owns them. Like we always knew when an inspector was coming. We always knew from the city, from OSHA, from wherever, right? We always had a heads up because yeah. they would give it to us. We're going to come by and do an inspection. Oh, okay. And well, then, we then were, you run around cleaning everything up. You know, when I was in the area EPF, we were doing, we were taking the files, the OSA files out of the HI attic. Yeah. There were OSA files in the HI attic. Tons of them, right? Yeah. Of course there were. OSA files. <laughs> so we had to take all Super files confidential out. stuff, yeah. right? Spy stuff. <laughs> so we got so sick of taking them all the way down like eight flights of stairs, right? So then we're like, yeah, what we did is we, we took a, a whole huge trash can and we got some rope and we put a whole bunch of files in and we would just drop it to the, drop it straight through the Straight stairs. down. There it goes. And we, we had like some people down at the bottom, made sure nobody came in or whatever, because there's like this, you know, this square and then the stairs go up like this. So you like keep people out and the trash can. Down they go. Whoosh. 
<laughs> you gotta buy that thing. You were exactly completely dead. It was really efficient. <laughs> exactly. Anyway. We're nothing if not efficient right? in this, New York. Yes, 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 yes. All right. So, uh, so, but you were kind of at least getting chill time, working on some stuff in front of you that you could work yeah. on. It was kind of, kind of. Yeah, yeah, I was going I was okay. On that. And then, and then, um, <clears throat> and then I was told, oh, um, we, 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 um, we want you back in the galley. The RTC rep wants you to come back in the galley. Back in the galley. Yeah, because yeah, I was doing, I was apparently doing well when I was in the galley. So that's what I was told. I was like, okay, fine. So you I'll go, back I'll to go the galley. only because she wants me. She's kind of cool. So I'll go. Fine. Wow. <clears throat> so then I did my courses in like two days and then I was, I was done. I was graduated. <laughs> that's it. Par for the course, guys. Yeah. Par for the course, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny in retrospect, you know, I've, I've interviewed a lot of people now, right? Ex-Scientologists and stuff. And you hear the whole stories and, and, and I, you know, I'm such a stickler for, um, you know, what the policy says, policy says, policy says, right? Cause I know a lot of the policy and we all do. And yet we all know no one really gives a shit what it says. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah. it's not really that, that's not really the glue holding that thing together, you know, which is kind of, weird because yeah. it's so emphasized all the time yeah, but exactly. i just you hear your story and it's just violation after violation after violation like they're like if you were just doing the things according to the way hubbard wrote none of that would have been yeah. happening other crazy stuff would be yeah, probably happening right? instead but not this level of crazy it's just like no, they don't is. even care it's just so bizarre they're just like nope you're done yep oh well i'm like okay fine i'm done so you're I back in the gallery I, did, I didn't know why i was here in the first place but it was kind of fun so yeah, so I went back in the galley. So then and that was like end of 2006. And then I was working there. I was like, I was the lead steward and I was doing all sorts of stuff. And, and then <clears throat> 2007. Okay. So right before the basics came out. Okay. So at this time, um, my, my, when I was in Portland on staff, my sister was on staff. She was in the DSA office and my mom was on staff. My sister was actually the DSA PR in Portland for many, many years. She was in okay. OSA for many years. Um, and then, um, somebody decided she wasn't qualified to be an OSA. And so they put her on as the HES instead, because she was apparently qualified to be an exec in the org, but not qualified, whatever. I don't get it, but she still wasn't doing well. So she ended up leaving staff and my mom left staff and then she got re-recruited for Portland or CC Portland. She was on CC Portland staff for a little while and then she wasn't really making it. And so she left again. So they were both off staff. So I knew they were both off staff. Um, and I was, I was, I was talking to them all the time and whatever, right? I was in the Seward. Did they know <laughs> the intimate details of your Seward experience? They didn't know. Or were you really. glowing it to them? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay. was I was making it sound much better than it was. And my my sister got worried when she heard I was on the EPF because she knew she had been on training and pack for a little while and she saw some of the RPFers and were like, oh, this is weird. And like they always looked unhappy and kind of weird and so she was worried about me and then my mom was kind of worried about me and wondering what was going on and I was like no no it's fine it's okay everything's fine so then <clears throat> so then I came off I was in the galley for a little while and then right before um probably like two weeks or something before the basics came out um <clears throat> I get this call from my sister and she's like I really want to see you I'm going to come down to LA for the weekend I'm like great awesome great I'll get some time off and and you know I requested the time off. Um, <clears throat> it actually got delayed. 
Wow. Amazing. What? Oh, and, and actually the only, the, I, let me go back to this for a second. In 1997, the only leave I ever took in 1997 to go up to Portland and see my mom, my, my sister for Christmas, I was supposed to go up for a week and somebody decided that I did that something was more important and yep. some flap was happening or something. And I had to cut it down to four days and I literally had to call her the day I was supposed to get on the plane and tell her I wasn't coming. She was very upset. And I came, I only came for like four days or something instead of like a week and a half or something I was supposed to come for. So that, Oh yeah. That two week really leave every year. Absolutely. That's what you get in the Sea Org. Actually, it's supposed to be three weeks, isn't it? You're right. Yeah. It's right. Three, three weeks. weeks. I've never, did you ever take a three week leave? <laughs> I never Neither did. did I. I, I think I got, I think I, I took two days for my wedding. I took two days I got, to go. I got married on Sea Org Day. <sighs> I got, yeah. I got right after the ceremony. We, we took a, we took a bus. We took. We took a bus to Las Vegas and so got we, married yeah, in Las no, Vegas. No, our parents, are, are, um, uh, her mom drove us to Vegas from PAC uh, on a Saturday morning. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, we got married that night, and then we had Sunday, and we had to be back on base Sunday night. So, yeah. So, yeah, the, longest, the longest time off I ever had in the Sea Org that I can recall was, um, was a three-day thing. Yeah. I got yeah. four days, and then... Then, like I said, when I got married, we went we we went right after the ceremony to Vegas, and we got married at like three o'clock in the morning. And then we took another bus down to Newport, where everybody was on for Sea Day. Oh <laughs> and my god! We joined god. everybody for Sea Day. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. yeah, happy wedding, <laughs> right? So good yeah. times. Okay, so uh, okay, yeah, so, so the time off thing was definitely a problem. Yeah, that was definitely a problem. Were and, you and, getting and, libs even on a regular basis? I actually, or? I was. Um, I'll, I'll get to that when I actually, when I was in, I was in, oh, did I, oh, wait a second. I skipped, I, sorry. I skipped mm -hmm. an entire post that I was on. Sorry. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Um, 1998. Okay. When I came out of, no, when I, it's so stupid. When I came out of senior show, I didn't go to the galley. Sorry. Oh, I went to data. Ah. I went to data in 1998. Okay. I got my time totally messed up. Okay. <laughs> So I went there. I was there for seven years. Oh my god, that was that was not a good time at all. Oh that wow, was, you were okay. No. Oh, I, I, okay. That Again, really I probably remember you there, <laughs> but um, because I I think I saw you when I went up to get briefed on the Buffalo. Yeah, you probably did. And I think I saw you yeah, there. Yeah, that, that I I actually went to the Air EPF from Data. I can believe it. Anyway, okay. So, so yeah, I was in. I and was, what is data? What were you doing? Data what, what is, is basically um, <clears throat> you get statistics, and from every single org every week, they have all these statistics they report on their, you know, how many how many people started courses, what points they got on their courses, their well done mm -hmm. auditing hours, their income, um, everything you can think of to like measure the production of the org. So that all mm -hmm. comes in. Um, gets, you know, anything that looks weird gets query. There's this whole thing that's done every week that I was actually running for several years myself. And I was in, I was in collection. I was a data collection. So I was responsible for getting in everything from the org, all the weekly reports. Um, I was over, I was working with income a lot on computerizing weekly reports and doing that whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. In charge of, uh, working on the computerized data files. Um, and this is basically 
Scientology Management's centralized database right. system. Right. Like it right. like like you're supposed to get all this information in from every single organization every week. To, yeah, every week and you're supposed to be able to take that and manage from that and correctly evaluate and tell the place how to do better. That's right. And so and it's, you know, of course it's a flap if not everything comes in every single week. And so that was just that was just a constant flap and constant like no sleep, constant like you're doing it wrong and then right. Go down to external calm and make some phone calls and and I just remember at one point I was just like, this is, this isn't right. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not getting this in this way anymore. And got in a big fight with somebody and got right. like in a physical altercation with someone. Wow. Yeah. With, with, you remember Nora Mayfield? Oh yes. Yeah. She was the date. She, she was the data chief. Yes. <clears throat> and. Wow. You guys got physically yeah, into she, it. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. one of the things actually that my mom found out because of Anne Marie, Anne Marie Grant. Uh-huh. We were both in data at the same time. And when that happened, she saw it happen and she, and then she left and my mom or my sister found her online somehow and got all this information and found out that I'd like gotten like this physical altercation with somebody. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, my mother found that, found that out and was not happy about that. Right. So, um, uh, where was I? So yeah. I was well, you in, were just so out of ethics. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Oh God. Uh, but, and and also at that time, what was happening in management was that <clears throat> there was like, and I'm sure this is the case in the CLO too, there was just study order after study order after study order after study order. Okay, now you're going to study blonde. Now you're going to study. Now you're going to yep. study all these in chronological sequence. Yeah. Now you're going to study this. Now you're going to method nine, all of the CBO. I, did you M9 the CBO? So did I. I took, I took a year to do it. Yep. So <laughs> because I you're was- still not doing it right. Management, you're still not doing it right. That's that's all management has ever told. You're still not doing it right. Oh my god, I spent years, yeah, diving into OODs, CBOs, oh, yeah. FOs, yeah. all the old issues, trying to sort out yeah. the evolution and structure of the system I was in. Yeah, and like, you're still ha- not doing it right. And you're and <laughs> like, 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 uh, you work at a company. And you're, again, an accountant. You're just some person. You're just working as a, as a part of this of this machine, and and it and the machine is not. You know, you're not. You, the stock price ain't going up. You know, like it's not. It's not successful. And the CEO or the managers keep coming down and telling everybody the reason it's not going is because you guys aren't structuring this right and doing this right. Figure it out. Do your jobs. Let's go. Yeah. No direction, no advice, no guidance. No, this is how you're doing it wrong. It's just you guys are all doing it wrong. Yeah. Figure it out. And then you're like, what do I need to do? Go get an MBA from Harvard to figure this out? Because then you go do that. And then you come in and try to implement it. And everybody's going, no, that's not right. That's wrong, too. <laughs> that's not yeah. right. Everything's so, wrong. Everything's wrong, no matter what you do. And so, yeah, we would get the, I forgot, oh my God, just so many fucking study orders. Yeah, and just, in, instead of know. just having somebody like do training for their posts, like we were talking about earlier, right. like, no, everyone's going to study this and everyone's going to study this in this sequence. And and I don't know about you, but we had the RTC rep standing in the course room <sighs> watching you study right. and being like, you eh. better be getting this. Yeah, exactly. So ridiculous. That was, that was just ridiculous rounds of stress over yeah. stupidity. Yeah. 
You know, that was one of the things about being in management was just that, you know, in a service org, you had a student in front of you. You had a pre-clear in front of you. There were very specific things you knew to do. Yeah. When it came to management, it was roll your own ideas every other day. And and then when these issues and orders and directions and emergencies constantly undercutting any forward progress you think you're making. Yeah. Yeah, you exactly. know? And it was like that. And data was involved in all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was the hub. It's the, kind yeah. of the information hub yeah, of the whole right. thing. That's right. Yeah. And it was always a flap when when all the reports weren't in and all the, and went, oh my God. That's right. Constant, constant, like. Okay, well, you're not going to sleep until you have blah, blah, blah. And you're like, exactly. Now, during all this time, and you've been in for years now at this point, right? Yeah. When we get to your, you yeah. know, you and data. I mean, you've been in Scientology for over 10 years at this point. Mm-hmm. Where were you at on the bridge? I was, let's see. When I went into data, I was, they got me through objectives. Yeah, I did. I did objectives like with an auditor in session. Okay. That's where I was. So you got it. You got up through the second level. You've done a PureF and you did objectives. Yeah. So ten years in Scientology, over ten years in Scientology, mm-hmm. working for the organization. Yeah. And you have barely finished two services service levels. Yeah. Out of like and I got 20... lots of ethics interviews. Yes. Tons of ethics interviews. Oh, that yeah. was like a whole thing. Yeah. And then, and you remember the metering seminar? Oh yeah, that was done. <laughs> and then the security would decide that they're going to give you an ethics interview. And yep. they, new, they have no idea what they're doing. At least, at least if you're with like a trained auditor who can like talk to you like a person, yep, it's a little bit better than than some security guard who's who's who thinks they're going to like you know pull your withholds with That's a meter. Right. And and I spent hours doing that. I oh. I wanted to kill these people. Oh, there were, yeah, there were, there were these fads <laughs> where the security guys, the outfitted uniform security yeah. personnel were sort of running the gulag. And, uh, and it was crazy because everything they were doing was completely wrong and completely not anything that L. Ron Hubbard had ever said to do. But they had invented this whole procedure and idea that they could interrogate you with the e-meter anyway. Yeah. And they were doing this, uh, anyway, there were a lot of rule violations around all of this. This was something Marty Rathman had his fingers in directly, by the way, um, and was stirring the pot of. There was a video he had put out, I don't remember, remember that, where he talked about ethics interviews. Yeah, there was, a, there was a Rathman video. I, I, I just know that there was a metering seminar that everybody went to. That's where yeah. it came from, yeah. right? Is, is, is Instead it came of from doing this issue. like the course and learning about learning right. how the e-meter is supposed to work and what you're supposed to do. It's a, a seminar. Yep. And right. then you're supposed to, anyway. Yeah. The whole thing was pretty ridiculous. Yeah. yeah that was, that was bad. Yeah. It was, so it was plenty, quite bad. I got a lot of those. Got a lot of that. <laughs> got a lot of that. Yeah. But, you, you, so you were, you were taking the staff slash ethics route up the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. That's what that's all right. of us were doing. We that's used right. to joke about that. <laughs> we used to actually laugh <laughs> I about never that. Heard that. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was doing the oh. ethics route up the bridge because there's the training, there's the auditing, and, and then, then there's, there's ethics. The ethics route. Yeah. That's how I'm going up the bridge. Oh, my God. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So, please continue. So, then, okay. So, then, yeah, I was in data. And then <clears throat> I got four comments when I was in data. Wow. <laughs> wow. Committee, and- committees of evidence. These are justice actions. This is, you are in a lot of fucking trouble. Yeah. You get a comev, you are in a lot of 
fucking trouble. Like, like things are going to be bad for you if you get I a I never comment. got a court of ethics, by the way. Or no, maybe they just I got, went right to comment. I think I got one court of ethics in my whole life. Well, that's the fight. That, that, we're like we're past comments. that ethics gradient. Yeah. Yeah, it's just comment for yeah. you. Straight to comment. <laughs> that's right. Comevs are usually, by the way, how people get declared suppressive. That can be an outcome of a comev. You can you can get kicked out of Scientology through a comev. Yeah. So it's a very serious thing. Right? It's a, you're yeah. usually you're usually not usually, but you can get taken off post. Yep. You can get you know whatever penalties, amends, ethics conditions, hundreds of hours of amends, uh, demoted right? in rank. Yep. Which I actually never got, but I I, I, I got that one. <laughs> I got demoted. I think I had two or three commevs in all my years. Yeah, yeah. yeah especially, including when I wanted to leave. They commev me because I wanted to leave. Wow. I was like, thanks, guys. Okay. Yeah, it's nice. Parting gift for you. Here, here's a justice action for you. So, okay. So then, so yeah, so, so yeah. then by the fourth commev, I was like, okay, fine. I'm done. I'm, 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 I'm done. You know, just get, put me somewhere else. Put me, let me do something else. And that was when I went into the galley. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Chilled out for a while. And then, and then I was in the galley, 2005. <clears throat> and then that was when when um when Kirsty was like, oh, we're gonna send you out, and that that whole thing I explained. Okay, happened. And then <clears throat> and then I came back. I came off the EPF. I went back. I went back in the galley. I was there um, end of two thousand six. Um, and then right before the basics came out. Oh, that's I was up to when my sister called. So my sister called and and said, yeah, I want to see you for the weekend. I'm like, that's great. I want to see you too. It's been ages. And so I got okay. I I got off, <clears throat> met up with her, and went to um, um. We were gonna go to a hotel and stay in a hotel and mm. go and spend the weekend together. Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> I had been up most of the night the night before, so I was very out of it. I don't. It was some some flap that was happening <laughs> while I was in the galley. It in was the some galley, flap that was happening. Yeah. I think we had to clean or something. Right. Like cleaning somehow was a flap whatever um so i was up and then um i went the next day with her and then we we're on our way to the hotel and she's like i have a surprise for you i can't wait till you see it i have a surprise for you i'm like okay cool i just want to go to sleep so then we get to the hotel and my mom is there oh nice she had brought my mom with her i'm like oh my god because i hadn't seen my mom in ages and so i was with them both and and then we started talking and everything was great right and then they started asking lots and lots and lots of questions <laughs> And basically told me um, that they had decided to leave Scientology. They hadn't told me this before, obviously, because I wouldn't have oh, been allowed wow. to go and see them. Of course. So they're like, yeah, we're not in anymore. And we have a lot of questions and just, you know, shocked me with that. Completely shocked me. I was like, whoa, okay, I didn't know about this. Wow. And then just started asking me all sorts of things about, you know, the 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 basics and the, you know revisions that were done yeah. and um because they had already come out now no they hadn't come out yet but it oh, was being hadn't. it was like the congresses had come out and yeah. it was like talk of you know something was coming yeah and asking all sorts of things about well why new buildings and why this whole thing on renovations and just like uh, this whole thing and then and i think we talked until like five in the morning i was just like oh wow and i was like oh my god this is gonna be a problem so did they have you seen or read the Debbie Cook email? I have now, yeah. I did look Okay. I, I know you didn't then. Ago, yeah. Does it, it I sounds when like it happened actually? I remember. Yeah, I know me too. Because that's what I remember helped. the senior com off and was in external com for like 
three days straight trying to like trying to like do stuff and get answers and do all sorts of things on the computer really? systems and stuff. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, it sounds like your sister and your mom had a lot of the same concerns that yeah. Debbie Cook wrote into that email. Oh, yeah. What's yeah, the totally. policy on this? How is this yeah. standard? Yeah. Would Hubbard do this? What yeah. is that the flow yeah, of it? Yeah, that, that was a lot of it, yeah. Okay, because it. it wasn't just Debbie yeah. Cook who was asking those questions yeah. and put it into an email. There were a lot of people in Scientology who looked at this program and were like, wait a minute, what? It, but, but but it was the next big thing. It was Miscavige was absolutely, this is what we're doing. You know, and he briefed all the OTs on it on the ship. Yeah. We watched that briefing. I watched it like nine times. Oh, yeah. Like that full yeah. briefing, right, on yeah. all the Div 6. Div 6 is going to be a third of the org, and yeah. we're going to have all these books, and we're going to have seminar spaces, and we're going to do this, we're going to do that. It was going gonna, it was gonna to be huge. It was going to yeah. be like Yeah, and then you, this, end up, you, know, you end up in one of these huge, beautiful orgs like in Columbus that's totally – there's not even a sidewalk that goes by the org. <laughs> right. There's not even a sidewalk. And then you look at the policy, and it's like it's – like, uh, uh, what is it? One of the power heavy quality, traffic power area. quality checklist. If, yeah. if, if the org is not in a heavy traffic area, the estates manager is supposed to move it. You're like, states manager. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Can you imagine if you, <laughs> well, it is, it is hilarious oh, how, God. how uh, even, even, you know, common sense, Yeah. like the most common sense thing you would think with a Scientology church that relies on people going out and bringing physically other yeah. people in, of course you would put this place where there are people. Yeah. And these new orgs have almost one for one opened up way the hell outside the city yeah, or out like in no, some residential no area. People even walking by. And yeah. it's not, it wasn't even residential. It was like <clears throat> what was around us was a TV station, an air conditioning repair place, like all these like industrial yeah. things where very specialized places where it's like, there's not just people driving by going to stop at the mall or something. That's you know? right. And it's like, that's right. Even Austin's temporary quarters right now, Austin org has, has, is, has a building, very nice building and it was renovated. It's done. It's been done for like two years now. They're temporarily located in another place for the last couple of years because they are not allowed to occupy this building that is right across the street from the University of Texas. They can't occupy it because they can't do the grand opening yet because of COVID. So they've been located in a strip mall across the street from a graveyard. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. I went oh there. Oh my God. I went there. That's where Austin Org wow. is right now, is they are literally in a strip mall across from a graveyard. Yeah. I could not stop laughing. Wow. I was, I was, I was almost on the ground. I could not believe yeah. how off everything has gotten in that group with that, right? Across wow. from a graveyard. So yeah. Yeah. And apparently, apparently parking was a big issue for Columbus. So now they have a huge parking lot. That's a, Oh, nice. That's good. Oh, yeah. good. <laughs> Oh, good. Like there's two no levels. people, like there's but we three got levels. parking. Like, like the org is one level. There's a lower level of parking and an upper level. There's like three levels of parking. And who's <laughs> there? Nobody. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no like, people. There's like less than a hundred people that that attend that attend courses per week. It's 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 just you could you 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 just couldn't make some of this stuff up. You just would not imagine anybody could be this stupid, and yet it keeps happening. Yeah. It keeps happening. 
So please. Continue. So yeah. So, so then I was. <clears throat> so then I yeah. So your mom and your sister yeah. are basically doing an intervention. Exactly. Exactly. And I didn't take it very well at all. Okay. Not at all. I was like, nope, 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 nope. Mm-mm. And then the next day, um, my sister told me about <clears throat> about how she connected up with Anne Marie. And found out that I had this physical altercation, and my mom was like really upset about that and everything. And then, and then, um, so we were sitting in the hotel room. Nice day. Had the door open. So I look up, and Amory's in the door. She came. Yeah, she came. Wow. She came to try to talk to me to try to to try to get me to to go. Or How to do cool of her. Yeah. 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 Wow. So yeah, that I. Now I think it's cool. At the time, I was yeah. very, very upset. So yeah. I just got up and I shut the door. I was like, nope, we're leaving. We're leaving. We're going back. You're going to talk to somebody. We're going back to the HGV. You're taking me back right now. So then I got all my stuff and we got in the car. And <clears throat> we were driving back um, to the HGV. My mom's like, oh, I feel well. I want to stop. I'm going to get something to eat. So we stopped to get something to eat. And she's like, I'm going to go on a walk. So then she goes on a walk around the block. And I go... And I call the HGB yeah. and I speak to, um, I, I end up talking to like one of my seniors, right? Cause I was, first I was trying to get the poor captain. I was trying to get the external security chief, Kirsten, uh, Kirsten, um, Pedersen. And I couldn't get any of them. So then I finally talked to one of my seniors and I'm like, I need to talk to somebody as soon as I get there with my family. And he was like, okay. So then <laughs> we finally get there and they dropped me off a few blocks away from the HGB and I go in and I, I talked to security. I talked to Kirsten and told them everything that happened. And they're like, okay, let's go talk to her. And so we go and they had driven away. <laughs> they right. left. Right. So then we, we tried to find them. We spent the rest of the day trying to find them. We went back to the hotel. I tried to call my sister. My sister wasn't answering the phone and she finally answered. And she's like, you know, mom's really upset. I'm going to take her for a walk. And then she hung up and I didn't talk to her again. And then the yeah. next day we went to the airport, waited at the airport and apparently, um, my mom was with Astra and a few other people. And so, and OSIS somehow found that out because they, I don't know, they just find out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're very good at finding things out. I wonder. So, yeah. Right. So then we were told to leave the airport and we never talked to them. So then a few weeks later, um, I talked to my mom. I talked to her a lot over the months, like trying to handle her. And meanwhile, I was like. You know, I was put, I was, I did like every PTS handling in the book, <laughs> basically by the, by the end of this, I redid the course. I did like auditing on like every auditing you can think of on it. And actually at the end, like there's, this is like super Scientology specialized sure. talk, but, but you do like the suppressed person rundown. Oh, right? you got that. Yeah, I got that. Wow. And while I was on that, my mom came to LA while I was doing that, but I wasn't allowed to talk to her. Right. Because she was with somebody who I found out recently, she was with somebody who wasn't, who'd never been in Scientology, but who's trying to help her and whatever. Right. And somehow Osa knew this person that she was with and wouldn't huh. let me, wouldn't let me talk to her. Okay. Which is like supposed to be the end yeah, they're, they're thing. preventing the EP. Yeah, the, and, the, the, and, yeah. The, the just the the, the the magic of Scientology <laughs> involves it, it with this with the Scientology auditing that we all know about. There are the, and the PTS handlings, which we've talked about at length about handle or disconnect. You got to get the you know the bad egg out of your life, or you have to get them to shut up. Um, 
if that doesn't fly, if the person is still antagonistic or is persisting, there's auditing you can receive that is supposed to help deal with this antagonism, this person in your life who's antagonizing you about Scientology or otherwise. And you will get what's called a PTS rundown. And that addresses this lifetime and last lifetime connections with antagonistic people. But if that doesn't make it go away and work, you could finish that whole thing. And then the last bit, the most you know, like the, the the last straw is what's called the suppressed person rundown. I spent a year on that, by the way. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Going you, to session almost every day. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you go into session every day, right? And you run problems processes. And you run, exactly. You run problems processes. You run auditing, mostly repetitive processes. Yeah that have to do with who's giving you problems or what kind of problems do you have or what problems have you given others or, you know, there are all kinds of questions. There's like tons of them. Yeah, Yeah. there's there's a set of them that you can do. I did that on somebody. In fact, I did that rundown on Matt Woodcraft. Oh, wow. You did? Yes, I did. <laughs> because of his sister. Oh, how funny. And oh we God. ran it and ran it and ran it wow. on the RPF. This how is long I, did he do it for? I ran it on him for a few weeks. He kept protesting yeah. and protesting and protesting. And why, why was he protesting? Because he didn't think that his sister was really an SP. Right. And so, and how was she going to reach out to him when he's on the RPF? Yeah. Yeah. And I was having this, a problem because, you know, because my, my, my mom wasn't antagonistic to me. Right. She, and she made that clear in, in all of our conversations. She was not antagonistic to me. Right. She was like, I'm not a Scientologist anymore. What's the problem? Exactly. Why do I don't need to follow their policies? I'm not a Scientologist. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not interested. I don't want anything to do with it. I just want a connection with you. Yep. But that's not allowed. So somebody cannot decide that what got me in, in like a, like a mind twist about it for quite a while <clears throat> was that somebody can't, you know, be in Scientology, decide they're not in Scientology anymore. And, still be connected to someone who's a Scientologist, which is not right. That's right. It's like, okay, you don't want to do Scientology anymore? Okay, that's that's your choice if you don't want to be in Scientology anymore. That's, that's right. totally your choice. And she yet- was never attacking me. So I'm supposed to handle her or it's supposed to somehow she's supposed to have some sort of reach towards me um in like a friendly way. And she's not I'm like she's not being unfriendly. So so the EP of this is that she's supposed to be a Scientologist again. What's what are we going for here? Exactly. And I kept bringing this up in session, and I kept my poor otter. My otter was great actually, but but I kept bringing it up. I'm like, I don't understand this. She's not going. She's not going to reach for Scientology again. She's not going to say, Oh yeah, I want to. She's not going to have a friendly reach towards Scientology. That's not happening. And I kept bringing this up and kept bringing this up. And finally, after a year of doing these processes, finally it was like, Okay, you can attest to your PTS handling being complete. Right. That was what it was, and I just stopped doing it. I was like, okay. That's what we did with Matt. Wow. Yeah, that's exactly what we did. Wow. Because the 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 supposed magical end result, and Hubbard uses that word by the way, he says it's it's pure magic, is that you run these processes on a person, whether it's for weeks, months, or years, yeah. until outside of you, completely external to you, that antagonistic person reaches out to you, phone call, letter, email, whatever tweet and says something nice says something favorable does you know put something out there that indicates they don't they're no longer antagonistic to you and it's supposed to be the auditing of you 
that makes that change happen in that other person. Yeah, because you're supposed to start running their you're supposed to start running their problems. Right. It's supposed to be this OT yeah. kind of phenomena. Yeah. It's total horseshit. I know of one person who ran it until their mother randomly sent them a letter saying, hi, wish I could talk to you. And they took that as the EP, yeah. right? And it was just funny that she actually came to LA yeah. to try to talk to me while I was doing that. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, sorry, you can't talk to her. Exactly. So I'm like, So they're just okay. getting right in the way of whatever cool. magic was right. happening. But <laughs> So what do I do now? <laughs> Exactly. The whole thing is just rather yeah. silly. I have actually never, I mean, other than that one random rumor, I've never actually heard of anybody yeah. doing this rundown to that result and, and, the, and the PTS condition being resolved. Yeah. It's usually this, they, they end up at loggerheads and some dead end and then they just kind of pull the plug. Right. And, um, you know, and that's what happened with Matt and that's, that's, uh, and others I've yeah, seen. Yeah. Then you so. end up in this like mind twist of, okay, like, like I did with her, with her, I'm just like, she just doesn't want to do it anymore herself. Right. So what am I I'm supposed to make her be a Scientologist and she doesn't want to be? Well, the problem, of like, course, did anybody show you the justice codes? I mean, because you know there's the high crime of public disavowal of right. Scientology. Yeah. She's an exactly. SP now, right? Exactly. If you leave Scientology and say so, you're an SP. I, 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 that's not a misinterpretation of that line. That yeah. it, it is a high crime. Yeah. But no Scientologist really gets it until it happens to yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. They're like, wait a minute, I didn't think it meant that. I thought it was some asshole publicly disavowing Scientology, not my mom. Yeah. Oh, wow. You know, yeah. and then the and then the rubber meets the road and suddenly you find out, oh no. Yeah. That's my mom. Wait a second. Yeah. I mean, what was your reaction? Oh, with just, this problem. Just, I mean, with this thing you were protesting I just, at the I just sessions. kept bringing it up. I'm like, yeah. I'm like she's not going to become a Scientologist again. So what do you want? What what EP am I supposed to have? Right. And and even if she reaches out to me and is like chill with me which she actually is she's not upset with me she kept making that very clear i'm not upset with you i have no problem with you right i do not want to be in scientology anymore exactly and, and that's what I the organization with you. yeah and couldn't deal with no you can't have that that's right because you can't have that you can't just leave yeah yeah right so then <clears throat> okay so then i did that so then that ended in 2009 i was finally done with that Okay. Yeah, because so, they basically torture you for a year right? with this. Yeah, exactly. So then I went about my, I, I sort of went about my life. I was glad to be done. I'm like, okay, fine. I'm not going to get kicked out. I'm not going to be like, you know, because I was scared I was going to be have to leave or whatever. Right. Um, and is this, you're back in the galley still yeah, during this so, time? Yeah, so I'm in the galley and I actually become the, de I, I like a year or so after that, I become the deputy chief steward. So I'm essentially running the galley and I'm, I'm, I'm I actually did really well there and I was like, um, I mean, I did really well there as far as like doing my job and everything. You know what I mean? I was like, I you weren't getting in trouble all the time. I wasn't getting in trouble all the time at all. I ended up doing like <clears throat> working with services CMO on like senior exec type servicing RTC and doing right. all this stuff. I did that for Actually, years. let's talk about this for a second. This might be interesting to people. Yeah. Um, because there are, there is a class system that we've discussed briefly in Scientology in the past on this, on my channel. RTC top of the yeah. top of the heap right yeah. CMO kind of right below them and then kind of everybody else yeah. kind of sucks right uh, I mean at various levels yeah. I mean supposedly there's like ILO and then you know and then the cont and then the the, yeah. the staff and then the public but you get you know mix yeah, and match even, with some even, of this even with within ILO you have different levels levels of, yeah right which gets a little bit confusing after a while oh I'll bet it does <laughs> 
what so so being on the food end of things this is this is funny because oh you see everything you see everything and you know everything that's happening you know like you don't know like specifics necessarily but you know when shit's going down you know you know when shit's going down and especially when you're when you're around around RTC all the time you're around like you know the commanding officer and different various senior executive type people all the time and you know when shit's going down and and you know people get in trouble they get sent to the galley to clean or whatever and you yeah you see you literally see everything when you're right because today's hero is tomorrow's zero yeah right and so then they're then they're standing in front of you yeah. Okay, Galley, I see. Here's a worker for you. And this is a person you were saluting two days ago. Yeah, for example, the, you know. the, 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 the former CSMO pack became my junior. Chantel right. was my junior. Right. The, the, the little girl who used to yell and scream at me yeah. rose up the ranks in pack, became the commanding officer, right? Yeah. A very senior position. And she was there for quite a while. And she and was, was, was pretty ruthless. By an by a, by a off-policy eval and... Yeah, there was a whole lot of stuff. Got busted. Like yeah, got busted and came and worked with me. There you go. And yeah. now in the galley. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, like I said, <laughs> today's hero, like tomorrow and you'd have, zero. Like, groups of people, like, and we went through like like three ideal or units, and like like you'd have the entire the entire unit. Okay, so there was like an entire you'd have <laughs> Chris is losing it. <laughs> you'd have an entire unit, like like it started with 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 um people that were formerly or were still like in staff type yeah. people, right? Like yeah. Lucky Story, um, Hans Smith. Um, Fear, Rebe- uh, uh, Rebecca. Uh, yeah. Not Rebecca. Not Rebecca, uh, the other one. Sarah Fear. Sarah Fear, yeah. Um, trying to remember. Um, it was probably like. Uh, Bl- nine, there was Angie Blankenship for a while. Angie Blankenship was kind of her own. She was she on her own really thing. really with them. She was her own thing. And then okay. she disappeared because she got pregnant but you know who she uh-huh. knows, right yeah Chantel yeah, that's, that's right, that's right. it was it was a little laugh when I heard I was like are you kidding me I know it was a little karmic justice I'm sorry but it kind of was and that's that's a really mean thing to say to to about Chantel because she's you know I really liked her but man you know, it's just what comes around goes around. Yeah. I, I just yeah. don't know what to say about yeah, that, you know. Yeah. But yeah, he gets her, he gets, because uh, because these are people, okay, Mr. F- Mr. Fear, Mr. Story, right? Mr. Yeah. Uh, Blankenship. These were people whose names were spoken in hushed, revered tones. These were senior, senior, senior. Like, Especially like, Angie Blankenship. Angie Blankenship yeah. was with David Miscavige like all the time. Exactly. Right below Miscavige. I mean, full on in his inner circle, running these yeah. ideal orgs. These were yeah. these were the, the the kingpins of Scientology, and they operated out of an office in PAC. And they ran all these ideal orgs. And they and, and management didn't run yeah. the ideal orgs. They did. Yeah. And then they, and then came, they end up in the they, galley. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, no. They didn't end up in the galley. They oh, came to... They came to the HGB and they were working out of the HGB for like, I don't know, a year or something. And then when Sydney opened, they went, they all went to Sydney and then they went to Kaohsiung and they did Kaohsiung. And then that's in Taiwan. Yeah. And then something happened there because they all came back and they were all in trouble. They were all busted. After Taiwan. After they came back from Taiwan. Interesting. And I I don't know what happened there. Something happened. Um, they all came back and they were all in trouble and 
Yeah, and then they were around for like a few weeks, and then they all disappeared back up at the end. Went to the hall. There was no more ideal org unit. Wow. Okay. Wow. So then after that, there was um. Actually, maybe before them, there was there was um. Um, Lawrence Lawrence uh, Stumpke and Bob Wright. Yes. In office. Yes. She was in this, uh, senior designer. That's right. I remember those. They're running the landlord office, and then for a few years, and I, I was like, I was very knew what they were doing because I was servicing them all the time, and then, and then one day they just disappeared. Just gone. They disappeared, and they, they, bo- they blew together. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah, they both just took off. Yeah. Good for them. They blew. And wow. I think they came. I think they came. They didn't come back, but they. Somehow got recovered to flag and got some sort of handling of flag. Now they're just out. Okay. I don't think they're out, out, but they're out. <clears throat> out of the then, Sea Org, at least. Yeah. And then and then there was another, and then there was a unit that kind of kind of got formulated in pack. That was that was uh some that's right, Ty Webb. That's it. Okay. <clears throat> so then he was running this little unit of 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 girls, little girls in in SEMA pack that were like sort of like the ideal, but they weren't like called the ideal or they were the ideal or but for some reason they were they were doing it from pack for a long time. Huh. And this guy Ty Wet was running <laughs> yeah, that office. Yeah, he was running them directly. Yeah. Okay. And then everybody moved over to the HGB. Yeah. And he got his like his own like half of the fifth floor was his and blah blah blah. Wow. Like, so with his little unit. So then he was running things for a while and he was like top dog, like everyone kissed his shoes, whatever. Right. And and I, I was in the galley and I was I was actually doing the the cooking for the senior execs and stuff at the time. So then he was added to my thing that I was doing, except he was like more important and whatever, right? And and of course the galley had been decimated. So I didn't have a steward. I was the crew steward. I was the exec steward, and I was cooking. I was cooking for the senior execs. What? what? And, <laughs> and was was this decimation a, a new thing, or was that? Oh no, just, that happened all the that time. That happened just routinely. Like, like I would end up with people that got busted or whatever, and then they'd start doing better, and it's like they were oh, just taken, right. taken away. Right. The or, gal- the galley or, is like or person- I'd end up with people who decided they didn't want to be in the steward anymore, and they would just leave, and I was like, okay, well, what do we? HCO was like, well. You lost them, right. type of thing. So then I would end up by myself doing everything. Literally, like the food would come. I was still cooking for the exact I'd put the crew food out, and this whole thing, right? It was it was nuts. It was totally nuts. Wow. So so then, and I somehow still kept everything together for a long time. So then I, I was cooking for him, and I like, I undercooked something that he didn't even end up eating. It's not even like he had like an adverse reaction to it or anything bad happened but he noticed that it was a little bit undercooked so i got in so much trouble oh my god i got in so much trouble after being after doing that sort of thing for like years never having anything anything go wrong anything bad happened nothing for anything i anybody i ever did i ever made food for right service or anything right doing that for years practically perfectly this one little thing right and I got a combev and, and then actually ended up with like another, uh, ended up with like another, uh, I ended up with a cook with a chef from flag actually, which was good. It ended up being good, but the way it was done was very not pleasant. Mm. Um, 
Let me ask you, uh, this bust sounds par for the course with Scientology. Yeah. I mean, Sea Org, you don't have any laurels to rest on, yeah. really. They never really give you credit, you know? You yeah. don't really, that whole cock like, thing, so, it's all yeah, a bunch of crap. So I, so I did something, so yeah. I was perfect for, like, years, and then one little thing that didn't even actually have, like, you know what I mean? Totally. Like, nope, sorry. You're out of here. Yeah. So... During the time that you had serviced these three different versions of an ideal org unit or these this, yeah. this special managers who were doing the top, most important priority management in Scientology is what we could sort of say. Yeah. This went on for years. You're in and out of these people's lives, I guess, or yeah. hearing and overseeing whatever they're, they're, they're saying and doing in terms of the food service. Yeah. I'm just curious. Did you ever see the human side of these people? Did oh, they yeah. ever? Did you ever see the, the like? Did they have doubts, fears, concerns about their own position, or was it because because outside of their office, we us lowly peons around them who were at their whim, yeah, would again speak of them in re revered tones and you know, oh, Mister Stories. Yeah. So cool. Oh, my God. I was almost like celebrity worship. It was yeah. really quite odd. Yeah. And I came off the RPF seeing this and thinking, what? You know, like, I just not, I, after the RPF, nobody impressed me. Because when you do an RPF for three years with people who used to be at Int, right. <laughs> you realize anybody's vulnerable. Yeah. The ax could oh, come yeah. down on yeah. anyone. Yeah, and that was totally. one of the things I came out of the RPF knowing. You, I'm sure, experienced that as well, right? From the, you know, from a services point of view, you yeah. realize you're in this position of low rank, but you realize the zero to hero happens every other oh, week. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, the hero totally. to zero, right? So you're like, anybody's vulnerable with yeah. this, right? So I'm just kind of wondering, you know, in terms of who these people were behind the scenes, were they just regular Joes just, too? They were, yeah, they were just regular people. And, and, and actually most of them were very nice people. Like, 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 for example, somebody has somebody who, who, who stayed the entire time, who's never, she just stayed with it was, um, um, the COCMO Carrie Ibert. Yeah. And she was there during all of these different people getting, going this way, that way. She was just always there. And she was just very, she's very real. She was very like down to earth, a very real person. You can just talk to her and, 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 and she would say, she would say things to me sometimes. She'd be like, yeah, these people are driving me crazy. Or she, she just like say, like make different comments to me sometimes that I thought were funny. Right. Um, so you saw more human side yeah, to some exactly. of these folks. Exactly. And they were yeah. actually, they were actually very, Nice. The, the only one who was a total jerk was Ty Webb. Okay. And he was, he, he would just purposely try to like put you off balance. Okay. And I'm sure he was, he was just emulating, uh, emulating what David Miscavige would do to people, you know, mm. what I mean? <clears throat> because I always felt uncomfortable around him and not like, like anyone else I could just like approach and, and whatever. Right. And he right. would just purposely try to put you off balance. That's fun. That's a, that's a very great observation because there, because, because, because I ran into that same phenomenon with, um, with the int execs yeah. prior, right. Years, years prior, back when there were int execs yeah. and the nineties and they would come down to pack and they had a lot of presence. These were Senior yeah, Scientology, like Scavage, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, you know, the um, the the IMEC, the the mm -hmm. International Management Executive Committee, yeah. right? So you had Services Exec Int, 
and quality yeah, exec in to right. these people, yeah. right? And these were senior, senior people. And these were people whose job it was to set the trend for their zone, their yeah. area, right? Services yeah. for all of Scientology. And here they are talking to you, right? Here I am, this West US tech guy, one part of their big picture. Yeah. And so I'm intimidated and I'm impressed yeah. and I want to impress them. I want to make a good impression. And the, and you could tell the difference between the truly nice, kind of had their shit together kind of people versus yeah. the Thai webs. Because the 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 executives who would come down, and we say come down, meaning you know, they drive over from Int, yeah. were they went out of their way to chill you out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. they'd see that you were yeah. uncomfortable or they'd see that you were tense or freaked out. And they'd be like, dude, chill. It's okay. Yeah. You're not in trouble. Yeah. It's all good. I'm just here to get data or let's go on this inspection or what. And I could actually create a friendly yeah. kind of line with That's them. Right. And that was my relationship with management. Then they disappeared. Right. Right. right? They were the first ones to disappear yeah. was IMEC, right? That's they right. just were all gone. That's right. And you didn't know who was holding these jobs or where they were. And EDN had disappeared. And you were just like, what? Yeah. About 98, 99. And then, of course, you know, we know all the answers now. But at the time, we didn't know anything about a hole or what was going yeah. on at Inter or all that. But then you had guys like Jenny DeVock or Ty Webb yeah. who would come down and they were all about their power. Yeah. And, and I guess that's what you ran into with him. Yeah. And I, I even knew I even I even talked to Jenny. Really many times because she was her and her and 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 uh, Mark Yeager mm -hmm. <clears throat> were came and started doing a project that there started being like a series of projects in in OSA mm. um, to handle major PR whatever right nobody was briefed on what they were doing but I sort mm. of knew because I was servicing them and then I was I would hear things and whatever right yeah so there started being a major these these projects and there was like. First, it was um, Hans Sully, Stolle, Marion Powell, Mike Sutter. Um, it was those three started. They were the first ones. And then um, it was Tommy Davis and Jessica. Um, <clears throat> and then it was, um, and then it was sort of um, uh, Mark, it was Mark Yeager and Jenny. But then after a while, them being there a while and then being treated sort of like senior executive type people and whatever, right? After a while, I was told by by the Dur-INR, OSA Int, they are not senior executives and they're not to be treated like that. They're not to sit in that area and blah, blah, blah. And they're just regular OSA staff. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so and these were just, mucky mucks. These were guys yeah. who had been, I mean, Mark yeah. Yeager was on the ship with Hubbard. Yeah. This guy's lifelong been like hardcore. Been like yeah. WDC chairman. And that's right. He's done everything. That's right. And um, including, by the way, uh, spending about, I think, half a year digging shit out of yeah. the gold pond yeah, right? because he tried yeah. to stand up to Miscavige one day and he yeah. got, he got slapped back into place. Yeah. Hard. Those two were actually pretty nice to me, but they're, but they're. Jenny Devock was nice to you. Yeah, Jenny yeah, Devock assaulted me. Oh, she did. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, literally. The first time I met her, actually, I was in PAC. I was over in PAC doing something, and she was doing the, the CMO PAC project, marching around with people around PAC. 
Was like, that summer of 96? That was, I think so, yeah. That was hell summer. Yeah. Yeah, that was the <laughs> ethics. Summer. That was the yeah. ethics the pro- the mission. project, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was handle slack pack. That's what she came down saying. Wow. You guys are, we, you know what we call you up, up, up lines? We call you guys slack pack. There were wow. declares and RPF assignments daily. Oh my God. From her. Wow. Yeah, she came yeah, down. In, she came down totally was... channeling Miscavige. I mean, completely. Wow. And she and I was in a room after she had done all the yelling and screaming and everybody had run out and I was hiding in a corner and I didn't get out. And she starts laughing. Like everybody leaves and 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 then it's just them. Yeah. And they all start laughing. They're just laughing at us. They just thought it was hilarious after that they, they were, could, like yelling at you? After, that they could come down and terrorize us. And wow. think, and then they just laughed. They just thought it was hilarious how we were scouring. You know, uh, uh, what was the word they used? It was like uh, scattering like rats. Yeah. You know, they just thought it was funny. Wow. And so I, and then later in that mission, like about two weeks later, I screwed up on something. Screwed up. I I, I did a perfectly normal thing, and she picked, she got all pissed off. I mean, really pissed. And grabbed me and started shaking me and slapping me around. Oh, my God. Like, literally slapping wow. me around, right? I'd never been assaulted before yeah. that. I'd been pushed around a little bit, but not like that. And Jenny DeVac was wow. always the one who did that to me, you know? And so I was, I've never had a kind yeah, of Yeah, I knew she her. could be pretty, pretty nasty so, to people. And I was kind of, like, intimidated by her at first. But she was always, she was always, she nice. Was always nice to me. So. That's very interesting. That's very, but and, I never, and I know but people I never change. dealt with her in any any other way other than being like a service person for her. So right. it's like so it's different. Yeah, they're flow. not gonna it's a totally different flow. Yeah, very true. Totally different flow. Very true. So well, she, like I said, she was channeling Miscavige. Right. I mean, she came yeah. down there and she was yeah. on a mission and yeah. she was there to get things done. And those things involved kicking people's ass and taking yeah. names. That was what she was there on. And so I was just another ass to kick, you know, but it was, uh, so maybe it wasn't personal, but it sure as hell was to me, you know? So, um, so that was my experience of her, but please go on because this is fascinating. What what else did you run into? Yeah. So what was I talking about? I was talking about the different, the different ideal org units and the people. So, So then that unit, the unit under Ty Webb went pretty strong from. Um, they kind of started around the, the time when, when LA org, um, became a Seorg org, which ah. was in 2014. Okay. Which that's why I think that that Cindy date is weird because that was, huh. uh, whatever. I, yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> whatever. But, yeah. um, sometimes memory is a little funny too. Yeah. But I know that LA org was in 2014 because okay. it was right after, um, Golden Age of Tech 2, which was 2013, yep. was right after that. Yep. And it was funny because you'd have like these, I noticed this after the basics release and after after the basics release and after Golden Age of Tech 2. So you'd have these like huge releases that were like, oh, so awesome, so great. Everything's going to be so great. And then a few months after, you'd have like the freaking axe come down. Like, you guys aren't doing it and you guys suck and, you know, you, you're not doing the 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 golden age of knowledge yep. and then you'd have like you know everyone stay up for years selling basics and well that was when that the whole, whole call thing. center insanity yeah. happened yeah I, that was when the entire the entire HGB became a call center yeah. everybody was on it including all of OSA 
And during that time was when, um, was when my whole thing was going on with my mom. So then nobody had talked to me about her for like a long time because nobody was on post. Wow. They were all doing that everywhere. There was no, there was no auditing going on. There was no, nobody was going on course. Nobody was doing anything. Everybody was on the phone for like months and months. Yeah. Just doing, just doing that, not doing anything else. Right. And the same thing was going on down in PAC. Yeah. See, and that was when I was on the RPF. So we built the call center. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I was thanking my lucky probably stars. Probably built our call center too. No. <laughs> well, in a way, I, I, well, kind of. Yeah. In a way, I was thankful that I was on the RPF during that time because being a crew member was actually worse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it was, it was at really, least we were getting really seven hours bad. sleep a night. Yeah. They were going it, you know, at like five, six in the morning, coming back oh, at 9 a.m. We're not going at all. It like was insane. Every, every single night. And I only got out of it because I was in the galley. I had to food. do physical work and whatever. And so I wasn't really on that schedule. I was a few times I would stay because the whole, like the entire crew were staying and I would stay mm-hmm. a little bit, but um, I wasn't generally on that. But then, oh, I should back up actually before I, oh, I need to, I need to back up on my mom's story a little bit. Oh, sure. Um, <clears throat> so that was, so the, so she came in 2007. So then I was doing auditing and doing whatever after that, talking to her, trying to handle her. And then the whole anonymous thing happened. <clears throat> yes. And she got connected to anonymous. Okay. So now we're in 2008. Yeah. This is still 2008. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. I forgot about this part. So, yep. <clears throat> so then she gets connected to anonymous and Osa finds out that there's a press release written by, was that written by Graham Barry? I think it was written by Graham Barry. Pretty sure it was. He's a lawyer who takes on a lot of Scientology, uh, science, cases against Scientology. Graham's, sure, a, Graham's yeah. a good guy. He's a lawyer in LA. I'm pretty sure that was written by him. But um, so he wrote this, this press release after talking to my mom. And the idea was that they were going to read this press release. And my mom was coming to LA with one of the anonymous protests. And they were going to read this outside the HGV. And Osa find, found this out, right? And so then I got on the phone with my mom. I'm like, you're not doing this. You're not doing this. You're not doing this. You're not doing this. Hi, you're not doing this. So, so then finally, after like hours of talking to her, she finally agreed. She's like, okay, fine. I'll tell him not to do it. <laughs> and, so they didn't do it. And, then, and then she's like, but I'm coming anyway to LA. And I'm like, I don't want to see you. And then those people were like, no, maybe you should talk to her, try to handle her or whatever. So then we ended up, she ended up coming to LA um, and I met her. I spent a day with her, with somebody from OSA. Um, at the Getty Center, huh. talking to her, trying to handle her Wow, for like a whole day. And that didn't really, she sort of chilled out a but little she bit. she knew too but much. Yeah, she really did. So it really didn't go the way I wanted it to go, but she was glad to see me and whatever, right? And then, uh-huh. and then, that, and then that whole thing happened. That happened and the anonymous protest happened, but she wasn't part of it because she was with me. So then... <clears throat> Anyways, Interesting. About, Just another step on that. Just another, wow. another aspect. Well, you know, story. I have to admire your mom's perseverance. I really oh, yeah. do. I mean, she clearly yeah. loves you. Yeah, she, you know? she really persisted. I mean, the first, the first like intervention type thing really, I don't feel that that, it sort of got things started, but it, at the same time, it really, it really shook me up a lot for years because I, I had to make a decision between her and Scientology. And I was so in Scientology and in the Sea Org that I was like, no, I'm not leaving. Right. And I wasn't, unfortunately, I wasn't close enough to her to be like, oh yeah, I'm not going to disconnect from her. You know what I mean? Right. It, was, it was a little bit rough. Right. So. Okay. 
So fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. So, but at least there were efforts being made. Yeah. Now we fast forward back to the um, Thai web thing and the ideal orgs and, and uh, LA org transfers yeah, to Sea so Org. Was, yeah. So that was in 2014. Yeah. And they did this, they, they were doing that. This went on for like a week and <clears throat> nobody knew what was going on, but there kept being, there was like people disappearing all over the place. Okay. Right. And you didn't know who was going to go next. It was like everybody from like the highest, you know, a post and FB guy that was just like trained up for this post. And this is like, he's gone. And everybody was just going and you didn't know where they were going, but they were going to pack for whatever. And there's something happening in pack. And then, and then a few weeks later, they um they opened up um, huh. they opened up the org with with right. all sea org right so some people some people went to replace people in pack to go to la org some people just went because you know somebody was trying to get them out of the out of the hgb for ages and couldn't quite figure out how to get them out so they just sent them said here you can have these guys too Fuck out of here. You're out of here. <laughs> yeah. Been trying to get rid of you for years, yeah, you exactly. scumbag. So, okay. Um, when, okay, Los Angeles Church of Scientology, the Church of Scientology of Los Angeles was classically a class five org, which means it was staffed by people who were committed to a two and a half or five year contract. This conversion changes all of that and makes LA Day and Foundation yeah combine into a single unit called the Los Angeles Church of Scientology, and now it's all Sea Org. And Sea yeah. Org are full-time. They're just there all the time. So this was a huge change, you know, structurally, system systematically for this organization. And LA organization is not only the, 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 the um, place where you get clears and, you know, auditors for, for LA, but it's also known as the Continental Org, which means it's a model org for all the other orgs. It's supposed to be the model you follow. Oh, you look to LA Org for how to do it. Yeah. And they made it a Sea Org org, which you can't do in all the other orgs. And yeah. so it's kind of like automatically they're cutting that strategy off at the knees. But then what was the reason given for why the change? It was oh, just out of why, nowhere. Why did they become Sea Org? Yeah. What was what? What did I'm they? I don't remember what exactly. Because I never did hear what the reason was for it that they gave. I guess because, I mean, they've been trying to get LA Org going for forever. Yeah, yeah. Like, like even when I first joined, when I was first in the Sea Org, I was on. I I I went on 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 a mission in LA Org as part of an overall mission, <clears throat> getting LA Org to St. Hill size with. Right. With um, John Woodruff as the yeah. <laughs> and LA Org suddenly became St. Hill Size because they made two hundred thousand dollars in yep. a week, and they were declared St. Hill Size for that. But they've been trying to get LA Org going for for so long, and they just could not get it going. Yeah, it was always messed up. It yep. was always just messed up. So I guess somebody decided that that's it. It's going to become Sea Org, so we can be in total control of the staff, and they're there all the time, and you're not going to be losing people staff as much and they're not going to be i guess they're not they're supposedly not going to be as crim as the as the non org staff we'll get to that in a few minutes yes we will um see see <laughs> hubbard classically calls los angeles the most criminal city on the planet yeah it says it's awful it says los angeles california it's, california's crazy and los angeles is just the most criminal place ever 
So criminality, infiltration, and subversion are words that are connected with L.A. Org in the, in the early 80s when the FBI raid had happened in the 70s and Hubbard was on a paranoid you know, manhunt for all the infiltrators and people who were, who were sabotaging Scientology internally. This was a huge thing and yeah. part of the whole blow-up then. And so L.A. Org had always had this kind of reputation yeah. for this. And, and it I was think never there's an L. Ron Hubbard eval on LA Org. Yes, there's and like advices. advices and all sorts of things specifically that, on LA Org. That, that's right. And so, Were and, you and around he talks when about we that. had to memorize the LA Org strategy? That's like a paragraph long. Do you remember that? I do. I don't remember the strategy, but I remember memorizing a lot of crap like, like to that. Make LA Org, the the premier or I do. Anyway, I, premier I model org. Yeah, I know they premier, said model yeah. org or premier. Yeah, premier, premier org. org but that org that whole thing yeah. was supposed to be a thing. So the point that we're setting up here, of course, is that LA Org, Sea Org or not, and it converted to Sea Org, was always supposed to be this model. And so it had to be this booming standard place and they could never make it that yeah. way. Yeah. And and they always blamed the factors that Hubbard would bring up, the criminality and the this and the that, um, ignoring the fact that the criminality is rife throughout all of Scientology. But, you know, we won't we won't worry about that right now. So this was an effort to make this model org. Yeah. And this was the place where... They would pull executives and staff That's from right. other churches That's right. to come to LA. This was a, this was LA org's claim to fame is that this is where they would pull. They being management, management would pilot new programs and new ideas, and let's try this and let's try that in LA org. And then if it seemed like it was working or successful, which it hardly ever was, but if it seemed like it was, they would pull staff. And train them there, apprentice them there, and then they would go back to their orgs and do what they learned. Well. Yeah, like running people's credit cards without their permission, right? Exactly. As we were talking about recently. We'll get to that. Yes. So. Yeah. So so yeah. So LA org happened and a whole lot of people were taken from the the ILO for that. Yep. Um, And then that whole thing happened. They opened and they were running. And then. And then shortly after that was when the the Ideal Org unit and Ty Webb moved over to the HGB, right? So that he could do that, the same not not the same thing as LA Org, but so he could oversee management from where management is being done, basically. Right. right. So that was a whole thing, and they moved over there, and and I was still doing what I was doing, right? And I mean, things pretty much rolled whatever for the next you know three years or something so Mm -hmm. i think they came over in like 2015 2006 maybe it was 2000 end of 2015 or something like that Mm -hmm. they came um and then um my thing happened in like 2017 yeah it was 2017 when when or 2016 2016 2000 2017 i think yeah when I like undercooked his food and I got a call oh, and all this stuff happened, happens. right? Okay, yeah. yeah. I didn't really get, it was weird because I didn't get taken off post, but oh. it was like, <clears throat> it was like, I think what I brought up was, you know, I, I, I needed to like do some sort of handling with my grandmother because she kept bringing up my mom and telling me what was going on with my mom. And she was really, I mean, I found out how much of a, 
of a, of a go between she was <laughs> in this past year. Cause my mom was like, yeah, I was telling her to call you and check on you all the time. So I knew how you were doing. Of course. <laughs> Which is great. It's yeah. like, I mean, my grandmother was great and she, and, but she wouldn't say that. Like, she wouldn't say like, you know, my mom, I mean, my, your mom wanted me to check on you. She would just talk to me, but she would tell me about her. So I kind of like, you know, I was PTS or whatever. So then I brought that up as, as a thing. Like I obviously need to handle that. And then it was like, well, if you don't handle this, you're going to be demoted to a lower, a lower echelon. And that was basically what the comment said. Right. So in conditions and whatever. Right. So then I did that. And then, and then, um, end of, I don't think if there's anything else significant that happened during that time. Um, I mean, the only other thing was Chantel, was Chantel coming to be in the cabinet. Right. And that was like 2018. Okay. Yeah, that was like 2018. Okay. When she came over. And that was pretty serious bust because she was the commanding officer CMO yeah. PAC. Yeah. So she was pretty yeah. hardcore busted yeah. there. She was, she was pretty not happy. Yeah, I'll bet. And she was, I actually became really good friends with her. She's a good, she was a good person. Yeah. Tried to look out for her. Um, she's a supervisor now, actually. She has <laughs> supervisor training. She's a supervisor in ILO. <laughs> yeah, Some people, whatever. you just wish whatever. they'd come out. I, she's yeah. one of them. I, I would love to see her out. Yeah. There's, there's, there's quite a few people I've known for like, you know, the entire time I was in the series, I was like, great. I'm not going to talk to these people anymore. Yeah. Anyway, so so then um 2009 no end of 2018 mm -hmm. was when <clears throat> um AOSH Africa was opening okay and that was December 2018 and basically there was like 200 CERG members that got sent over for that and where did they get plucked they from? They got plucked from ILO, a lot from FLAG, yeah. some from PAC, some from other areas, but a lot from FLAG. A lot of people were like trained at FLAG specifically for that. And they had auditor, they had like a whole complement of people. Right. Um, so they went <clears throat> um, right before Christmas, like mid, mid December, 2018. Okay. So then, and, and of course, Ty Webb went over there to, establish everything and he went there with like several ideal or unit people right mm -hmm. and a bunch of other people went so then <laughs> so then the end of and he was there for a while i mean he actually never came back so we just got end, sent to africa yeah so then <laughs> but this is what happened so end of of <laughs> end of january 2019 Suddenly there was like something going on that was really big. I never, okay. I never got the specifics until I came out. Right. Mm. I mean, I actually got a story from somebody while I was in Columbus who got a story from someone else. And I was like, wow, that's what happened. Really? But there was this whole financial blow up. Right. Yes. Because supposedly <clears throat> this, uh, supposedly there was this whole, I'm not supposedly, but there was this whole thing implemented in starting an LA org yep. where they would have, um, you know, they would have somebody specifically working on getting extra credit for people so they could pay. And there was like different things being done like that. And, and, and like, or people being regged to pay for other people's services and all this like funky shit going on. Right. Mm -hmm. So somehow I don't know exactly what something blew up and all of this just came to light Yep, because nobody knew. Right. Right. Nobody knew. I'm sure it was all over. 
Well, data apparently, files. I'm sure it was all over data files. Well, it probably was, yeah. but apparently, but what I'm told by another person who had some insider knowledge on this is that, um, is that Miscavige didn't actually know what the chase wave was all about, and so he saw the booming stats at LA Org, and thought they're going great. Oh yeah, guns. they were they were making they're like two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand. That's right. And, and they were delivering oh, yeah, auditing because, and, then this and making whole thing clears. Came up, this whole thing came up with, with the public being being regged to do objectives in the HTC instead of doing SRD because mm. they'd be regged for intensives mm -hmm. in the to make more money, more money instead of doing the SRD and twinning up with somebody and doing That's the right. whole course, right? And that That's was right. that was actually what was brought up to us in a briefing as being like the biggest the biggest problem. Oh, that's interesting because I was what was communicated to me was that Miscavige came down and did an inspection, and, he, fi and he finally it, saw it with his own two eyes. That probably happened in PAC. I think that yeah. happened in PAC because a lot of people, yep. a lot of people from the ILO were over in PAC for like weeks and weeks and doing various things and like. Well, apparently he removed all the regs overnight. Yeah, yeah, he bit, yeah all the yeah the yeah, Sea Org regs. He did like. Yeah. And that happened and that of, day. A lot of other people too. Oh yeah. A lot of other people. Oh, All tell of me what okay, happened. Okay, so um <clears throat> I mean there were people there were people in the ideal org unit that were busted. There was people, there was like the senior INR int was removed, the senior PCO int was removed. Um for putting the crims in there in the first yeah, place. Or exactly, what was the reason? Because they were in because this this um <clears throat> the ideal org unit had put this new senior HCO unit in place in the ILO and a lot of those people were from were in um LA org or staff in LA org while uh, that was happening. So then they were busted. Right. And then and then all of the uh all of the missionaries were pulled from all over the world. Oh okay. All the missionaries were brought in. Um and they were either I mean any of the ILO missionaries were just like immediately on the decks. CLO missionaries were on the decks and pack. Really? A lot. Like they all got, they all, they all got busted. And it was, it was very arbitrary because some of them got like, you know, Comev, you know, declared a tiger, stuff like that. And some of them were like sort of okay and just did conditions. And it was just various levels of like in trouble. Right. Depending on what mission they were on and what happened, and everything. being being declared a tiger is a label in Scientology. It's hardly ever talked about, where you're no longer qualified to hold any executive position ever yeah. again. You have screwed up so badly that this label is put on you. You're a tiger, and and no one's ever going to allow you to be a, a, an executive anymore. You're always going to be at a lower level post. Yeah. So that happened, and interesting. I didn't know about the uh, the the missionaries being pulled. Oh out. yeah, all the missionaries were pulled. So this there was, was no not just... there was no missions out in the orgs for like months and months. All the wow. missionaries were pulled. Out. Wow. Um. So there was no nothing. Nothing. Nothing happened wow. for a while, and they were all they were all on the decks, like in the ILO. They were on the decks for like months and months, and then what happened was, <clears throat> um, and of course, Ty Webb never came back, and nobody. Talked about him coming back. <laughs> Nobody talked about any of that. I was like, okay. And then there was another, and then there ended, there ended up, there was another person from RTC who came in that was like total, like sort of like top dog type person. That was, um, she was, um, she used to be, I met her in PAC when she was the RTC at PAC and she was, um, and Rathbun. 
Oh my God, but Anne not, Rathbun. Not Rathbun. No, it used to be married to yeah, Marty Rathbun. She had, a, she had a different last name than yeah. I So she was, she was. She there came running, in. Yeah, she was there running things for a while. Oh, and interesting. That was, a, that was a big deal. She was like, yeah. But she, she anyway. She she actually wasn't bad. She actually she never. I never really met her. She never came to the dining room. She just stayed in her office and whatever. Huh. Um. But that was like a huge deal. Like the RGC rep. ILO didn't like eat for like weeks. I barely saw her. <laughs> she, like, everybody, everybody was in trouble. Everybody was in trouble. Literally, like everyone was in trouble. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, it was a, it was see, it was, it's from from hearing about this from others and putting pieces together and uh, including everything you're telling me right now, yeah. which makes it actually even bigger. Oh, it was I, huge. I was told the regs came off post. A lot but, of people came off post. This a is interesting. A lot of people came off post, and it was. And then what happened was they pulled everybody, and then they started doing these. They started people putting people in finance, like taking like super qualified people. When my junior happened to be one of them, so I lost another person. Saying, oh well, you don't really need an executive steward because blah blah blah. Whatever. Anyway, <clears throat> so I ended up doing all the work again. It was great. So. <laughs> Yeah. You, you, do you sense a pattern uh, here? I hope you do. Because this is how it runs all the time. Um, but this was major. And in fact, more major than I think anything we've seen in Scientology oh, this was, before. Yeah. No, this was right? the most major thing I've seen. And being at the level I was, I basically, aside from seeing things that happened in Int, because obviously I was never an Int and I didn't really know what was going on there. But, no. <clears throat> but you know more that's going on because you're closer to those people and you hear things and you, or you don't hear things like, like when all management up lines, like an end got busted. We just, we just suddenly, you didn't hear from anybody. Mm -hmm. You didn't hear from anyone. Like, like there was one day, like, for example, I was in data and I used to run the sat evolution and we used to have, um, these direct, um, sort of like a chat room type thing mm. with int data. And we had that every Thursday, we'd be talking to people like there was two computers set up and talking about various things on stat evolution. And one day we just didn't have it anymore. Nobody talked to us. Right. Nobody talked like, and we didn't hear from anybody. Wow. Everybody you, just disappeared. <laughs> do you remember around when? I'm just curious. That was 2000. I think it was 2002. Oh, wow. Early yeah. on. Yeah. See, cause that's when the, that's when the whole starts up in earnest yeah. is around that time. Yeah. So I'm sure so, a bunch of people just got, just, and it's interesting how, you know, you see the devastation that happened at the gold base. Yeah. And then you see that devastation happen at the ILO. Then you see that devastation happening in PAC. Yeah. Then you see it happening worldwide because of this chase wave thing and the response to that. Yeah, but, and it happened, and, it happens over and over. It's like, it's a exactly. pattern. Like you, like they'll build something up, they'll build something up and you think the things are going, and then all of a sudden... It's like a total flap, and those and all those guys were assholes, and get rid of them. That's right. That's exactly right. And, and that happened and, over and over and over, and I was just like, "Whoa, okay." Well, there they go again. Exactly, <laughs> and 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 it seems to me, and you tell me if if this seems right. It seems to me a reflection of uh, a, a reactionary style of management, you could yeah. say, that comes from the very top. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I mean, you know, because you're dealing with people, you know, like Ty Webb. Senior PCO ain't making decisions about where that guy is. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, RTC is, David Miscavige is, you know. So there's certain postings and positions and things that happen. Yeah, because he put all of LA Org there. Right. So how could he not know about any of that? Well, see, that's the weird thing. You know what I mean? It's a very weird thing. Maybe he, I I only think that there's plausible deniability. I'm not saying for sure he didn't know. Yeah. But it's interesting to me that what I was, how it was communicated to me is he comes down for an inspection sees with his own two eyes right in front of him this credit card fraud be taken up and goes, you know, Miscavige ain't ain't, ain't the smartest, you know, uh, light. He ain't the brightest bulb. But I'm pretty sure he recognizes credit card fraud when he sees it. And apparently Sea Org members don't. And so he just, you know, because of the pressure and the demand, you know, LA Org was under the gun. And if these Sea Org members who came from all over didn't produce they were fucked you know and they knew that's it right. and right. so they they resort to the criminality yeah. boom the stats because it's easy in a short term to make a lot of money if you if you just say screw the system yeah they do that but in doing so completely threaten the tax exemption of the church of scientology oh, yeah. so this is so you know, which so is just, his big baby yeah, so fast forwarding a little bit on that yeah. <clears throat> what i was told okay i was told this from just a totally Random person, random Seerg member, actually a pretty new Seerg member, but really, really bright guy who got it from somebody in who was in Silo East US. And I don't know how he got it, but he somehow found out things he wasn't supposed to find out all the time. He heard that, okay, this whole thing happened with credit card fraud and run over the whole Chase thing. So he heard, he heard that David Miscavige went to the CEO of Chase. Did you hear this story? No. This is, I don't know if this is true. This is just what I heard. From someone else who got it from someone else. So apparently he went to the CEO of Chase and said, Look, we fucked up. Uh-huh. And I'm fixing it. And uh-huh. I'm, you know, I'm handling these people, removing these people from their positions, whatever. I'm fixing it. And we just want to not have this go any further. Like, have this blow up. So yep. we just want to like make a agreement, deal, whatever he did. To not have it blow up. And they're like, okay, well, you can't use Chase anymore. And that's why you can't use Chase anymore. Right. Nobody can use Chase. Right. Right. So I don't know how true that is. I believe I- it. And I'll tell you why. And and I, and there's a very specific and singular reason I believe this, which is that after hearing about this whole thing, I contacted a lawyer friend of mine, right, who's, who's a federally trained, uh, you know, lawyer. Yeah. And... I said to him, you know, this chase wave, I talked about, you know, what was going on and that Miscavige was, was, had acted to, you know, remove all these regs and stuff like that. And I said, what are we looking at here? And he said, legally speaking, because he acted with speed and authority to yeah. remove and reorganize and, and bust all these people, even in the slipshod, half-assed bullshit way he does it, yeah. because he did that upon learning of this, he's probably not legally exposed and the church of scientology is not legally exposed because they acted with such with with such ferocity so he might have he might have dodged a bullet there yeah and that might be why you know in his fumble bumble you know dumbass approach to things because david miscavige is is, i'm just not impressed at this point you know i i've i've tried to be i've i've paid a lot of attention over the years since leaving to his moves to what's going on, to what to to how Scientology has operated under his leadership. Yeah. And and it has been a 
you know, other than the other than uh, strong arming the IRS into getting tax exemption back, yeah, there is nothing he's done that has created any lasting. Yeah, and, and positive he, impression. Exactly, or, and he just bullshits the staff full time, the staff on the public full time in the events. Like for example, right. when I was in data, I used to do event data collection for the events all the oh, time. Oh yes, right? please talk about that. <clears throat> and I used to collect and mostly it was like raw data, like statistics, and um, like send up raw data on statistics or just or stories and photographs and stuff that they'd use as part of an overall thing. But there was one time specifically. When they were, um, he was, David Miscavige was at the shrine drilling the event and IMPR staff were at, this was when IMPR used to do it, now S&P does it, but IMPR were at the shrine and they were like putting together, they were still like putting together the speeches and finalizing everything. And I was asked to get some, some data from um, the Oregon Denmark, where supposedly there was some government official who had come in the Oregon and started a course, Right. And so I bent over backwards and like, you know, woke somebody up in Denmark, got the FR to bicycle over to this guy. Anyway, there's this whole like ridiculous story how I got this right within like an hour. And, and I got the data to the, to the person at IMPR and it turned out the guy actually hadn't started the course. Right. I'm, I'm like, I'm sorry. He didn't actually start. And they're like, oh, okay, thanks. Thanks for getting the data. And so of course, when I watched the event, I specifically paid attention to that. And he says the guy starts. Yep. He said, "Oh yeah, this and this whole story." I'm like, "Where did that come from? I didn't say that. I'm the one who got the information." Right. And then I even asked somebody from IMPR afterwards. I said, um, "I didn't. I didn't report that because <laughs> I felt weird about it." I'm like, "Oh great, so somebody told him, or whatever. I don't know what happened. Someone either told him, like, bullshitted him, or he just right. decided he was going to say that or whatever." But I'm like. But it really got me thinking. I'm like, I wonder how many other things like that are just like changed and exactly. just, just to make it sound better and just to make it sound cool. And Well, like, we we happen to know about a great number of yeah, those things. Yeah, I'm sure. I, right? mean, I heard a lot about, I, I think I watched this one video of you, you, and, uh, you and Mark where you were talking about the events. Yeah. I was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally see that being done. Oh, yeah. Because you hear all this great stuff in the events and then you go out to some of these orgs and you're like, where are the people? Exactly. And then when you're in a class five or working class five org, like I was in Columbus and you have SMP coming to do shoots and arranging, you know, taking staff and putting them in the course room and doing all this stuff to make it look like there's all these people. Yep. Or right after the org opens in Columbus, um, you have somebody from uh, somebody from the, uh, uh, a TV station come with someone else from S&P like to do like a tour and you have like, and they take the staff and they sit them down in the, in the, in the, uh, I'm sorry, what do you call it? Where you, in Div 6, where you. Oh, in the, in the, in the uh, AV areas. Yeah, exactly. yeah in, the, in, the, in the public to, intro to make it areas. it look like there's a bunch of public. Yeah, exactly. To this no, TV there's stage. person. It's, there's it's stage like photos. totally. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> of course. And they'll God. justify it by showing you LRH policy that says to do that. Yeah. And yet it doesn't totally say to do that, but you can twist it to make it say yeah. that, where you can just totally fake something that has no reality to it whatsoever. And that's what they do all the time, yeah. right? They yeah. do that with the VMs. They do that with the ideal orgs. They do that with flag and superpower yeah. building. Yeah. They show you this picture of the superpower building with like 30 or 40 people walking through the lobby area. 
And then you go there. And it's empty, right? It's crickets, yeah. man. There's nobody there, yeah. you know? And, and and that monstrosity of a building, I mean, it just swallows everybody up. Yeah. So it's so if, so it's just PR 101 with these guys, you know? Yeah. Well, I hate to do this because there is more, yeah. so much more to your story. But we've been at this for two hours and 45 minutes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> really? Does it yeah. feel like it? Yeah. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to chop. We're going to pause. Okay. Yeah. We're going to chop, right? And uh, we're going to do a part two, okay. right? And we'll arrange that. Okay, good. Because I want to hear all about Columbus. <laughs> okay, good. I want to hear all about it, right? And I want to know all about all this other stuff yeah. and your escape, too, yeah. because that's a, that's a bit of a dramatic story. And it's always fun yeah. to hear how people get the hell out, right? Yeah. And you did. Yeah. And I'm, 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 I'm. I was almost like hesitant to say exactly what I did. I'm like, oh, they're just going to come down on people. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, I don't know what to say. It happens. So the, the thing about Scientology is it's always worse than you think. Yeah. There is no bottom. And it's and it, and it takes a while to kind of really get what yeah. that means. Yeah. But it, it's a process. You know what I mean? So, um. So your escape story is actually going to help more people oh, than yeah. it's going to. Yeah, yeah, you know. I know because because that's that's part of that's part of the way I got out was yeah. I I started I started looking things up I started watching things from other people and I'm just like what the fuck you right. know what's going on here exactly. I want to find out from the other side what's going on so. right and you did <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> okay Found good out a lot of stuff. <laughs> Exactly. All right, folks. So I'm sorry to, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just, there's a lot to tell. Yeah. Um, you Especially know, after 26 years, right? I probably have more stories too. Exactly. I'm sure stuff will brew yeah. up as we're going yeah. and, and note them down. Yeah. We will, we will yeah. talk about them because there's, you know, it's always interesting. It's always interesting connecting dots. And I did a show last Friday where I talked about the chase wave thing. I talked about David Miscavige. But now adding this more bits about how the whole ideal org units were were pillaged and destroyed and a bunch of other staff were yeah. taken off. That's new information for yeah. me and very useful to connecting all the dots. Because there's your story and your picture and your escape, which is awesome. <laughs> and then there's the bigger picture. Yeah. You know, and the bigger picture seems to indicate right now, and I don't know if you know this or not. And I'll just end with this is it looks like it's kind of running right over a cliff right now. Yeah. And I have never been. Especially with all the COVID stuff. Right. And all the protocols they did because of COVID. That's oh, right. Oh, my God. Which we will get, yeah. which we will oh, talk we'll about from your that. perspective because yeah. I want to know that. Yeah. I've gotten other perspectives and I very much want yours because you lived it. Yeah. At the org level. So we're going to get all that. And we won't take a long time. We'll, we'll get it next week. Okay. But, um. But it looks very much like, um, you know, this guy is is screwing up so hard right now that this thing is just going right off a cliff. Yeah. And I've just never Plus been with so... This new, with this new lawsuit that, you know... Exactly. Like, and the Masterson case yeah. coming up in August. Yeah. Uh, we don't know what the exposure will be there. Yeah. But it's certainly, no matter what, everybody knows Danny Masterson is a Scientologist. Yeah. Everybody knows that. And he's, and he's about to get screwed. Right. As, as, and a well-deserved yeah, right. screwing because, uh, because Danny Masters is not a good guy. So I want to thank you for coming over here, yeah. for taking this time. I, I, I really appreciate it. And I know they do too. <laughs> okay, good.
<laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. So thanks for sticking with us. This is a long one. And there's, like I said, a lot to tell. <laughs> so uh, we will have more for you. And uh, we'll have that in the near future. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for inviting us into your home. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. <laughs>